BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What is up, Gypsy Gang? We're back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast and stoked to bring you this one with Rihanna Crean. Uh, she is a very familiar face if you're a fan of the V8 supercars. Uh, she is one of the most knowledgeable, knowledgeable presenters. Um, on the TV broadcast and has brought a lot of insight over the years. She's also married to Will Davison, uh, obviously one of the front runners in the V8 Supercar series. Uh, she also starred on the reality TV show, uh, the SAS one, and killed it on there. And just for fun, she does uh, Iron Man. So definitely a very worthwhile guest. We've been wanting to do this one for a while. And um, yeah, the last couple of years, she's just been kind of on a roll killing it. So perfect time to sit down uh, and have this epic chat um, with a real legend. Hope you all enjoy this one. Um, but before we get into it, just a word from the sponsors that keep these lights on. Uh, the first one is by the guys at Manscaped, and it's a beautiful fall right now, and our friends at Manscaped want to make sure it's beautiful when your pants fall as well. Don't let the trees be the only thing dropping their excess leaves and give your trunk the look it deserves with the leaders in male grooming and their fourth generation performance package. Boys, get your baby makers ready for a cuffing season like no other and join the 4 million plus men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code GYPSYGANG. We've all experienced those problems um, when you're trying to shave these nuts. You get the little clip a little bit wrong um, and you end up leaking a bunch of blood. Uh, so let's let's not... That was graphic, I get it, but let's just avoid that now. There's an easy way um, to avoid that. Once again, you can just get the Manscaped 4th Generation Trimmer. Uh, this features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. It also gives you the ability to turn on the LED spotlight um, and off when you need more precise shave. Plus, it's waterproof as well. That's right, rain shine, rain or shine, the Lawnmower 4.0 works to keep your apples crispy. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code GYPSYGANG at manscaped.com. That is 20% off plus free shipping with the code GYPSYGANG at manscaped.com. Make sure you have the best package for your package and choose Manscaped. Manscaped, your balls will thank you. 
We are also brought to you by the legends at Crush Oz. Uh, and they have just introduced a new Lush Wet Lube. Uh, Crush's Wet Lube is a unique blend of essential friction-reducing oils, providing your drivetrain with the lush goodness it needs to survive the longest grinds and gnarliest weather conditions, penetrating deeper into your chain links with anti-corrosive load-carrying and anti-wear properties. Crush Lush Wet Lube will deliver super slick shifting, maximum component protection, and significant uh, and a su- significant reduction in drivetrain noise. Our unique biodegradable Lush formula is the perfect way to protect your precious drivetrain components and be kind to the planet that we ride on. Uh, the guys at Crush are an incredible con- uh, company that is based here in Australia. Um, just head to crushoz.com um, for more information, but these guys have been amazing partners of ours um, for a really long time. Their products are absolutely fantastic. I use them on literally everything. Mountain bike, uh, the roadie, the car, the bikes, the whole deal. Um, and I'm super set up with their products as well. I've got the bike care bucket and I've also got their 20, um, their 20 liter drum of bike wash. So it's just, when you really invest in this line of products, it just takes one thing just completely out of your mind, uh, when it comes to looking after your bike. So crush Oz again, guys, um, one of our amazing sponsors. Uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at MX store. You can head to mxstore.com.au. Um, they have Australia's largest parts and accessories range online. Uh, and if you order before 2 p.m., you get same-day shipping. These guys have been valuable partners of ours for years now. Um, and they just kill it. They are the best at what they do. Uh, just gives you the best service um, that you can get, really. Um, we're also brought to you by the guys at Boost Oz. You can head to boost.com.au. Do away with those contracts that just tie you down. Um, you can pretty much do everything at Boost. You can buy one of their refurb phones. Uh, you can use their 240 gig data plan, which basically I just do one of them a year. Um, and the whole phone thing is just kind of something I don't have to think about. And they're on the full uh, 4G network with Telstra. So boost.com.au. Uh, finally, we're brought to you by the guys at Fist Handwear. You can head to fisthandwear.com. Uh, they do shipping all over the world. Um, so wherever you are listening to this in the world, um, you can get yourself a pair of the best gloves in the world. They've just dropped chapter 18. They're dope. You might have seen our vlog featuring Casey Stoner. Um, that uh, that was featured, or I guess sponsored by chapter 18. Uh, and also the guys at Rival Inc. You can head to rivalincdesignco.com. Uh, these guys truly are leaders in the game when it comes to anything uh, anything aesthetic is, I guess, the way that I would put it when it comes to your dirt bike. Um, the best graphics in the game, technologically speaking as well. These guys really push the envelope. Uh, their service is insane. The design team is insane. Jersey prints, the whole deal. Rivalinkdesignco.com is your one-stop shop. All right, that's it for the ads. Appreciate you all for listening. Um, follow along on our YouTube. We're just about to take off on our Europe trip. So yeah, should be a good one. We'll be vlogging that one. Uh, so tune into the YouTube, subscribe, do all that good stuff. And yeah, hopefully we can get a couple podcasts in in Europe. Uh, but if not, we'll be back in 10 days uh, for more Gypsy Tales.
the sleep thing literally the first thing i do every single check morning it. is i check the sleep yeah and then the body do you have do you use them for cycling and stuff like that yeah 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 do you ever look at your body battery and no nah, because i don't i don't wear it sleeping oh. i can't wear it like it just like i just hate really it. Yeah. Oh, yeah yeah so i i like i'm fully into the yeah. the sleep the, tracking yeah. side of it yeah. and then the the body battery deal is actually it's pretty solid like if you run it really low yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you won't charge back up even with like the perfect amount of sleep sure. to to get back yeah, to yeah. 100 so you, there'll be some times where it's on 19 uh, uh, at the end of the day yeah, yeah. i'm like oh, i won't train because yeah, you train yeah, yeah, and then you sleep yeah. and then you only get up to 60 yeah. and then you Never, feel it the next day yeah, yeah it actually you spend a whole yeah. week trying yeah, to get, get back, back to up. baseline yeah. so it's apparently whoops good. are really good for that stuff like yeah the, whoop, the band yeah apparently yeah. they're like super accurate and all, all that kind of stuff and the aura ring have you oh, heard nah. of the aura ring nah. bring that up rones those things we're recording Rihanna Crian is in the uh, studio today. We're finally doing the podcast. We've started. We're talking about uh, Talk- sleeping statistics. I'm no good at sleep. Like for me, I've just never been a good sleeper mm. my whole life. It like kills me. What's the hardest part of sleep for you? I, I just can't stay asleep. I can get to sleep, but then I wake up so much. And I, I'm like a really light sleeper. So yeah. any noise, any bit of light. And it's just, it's so bad on like race weekends and stuff. Cause I just, I go three days when I'm like running really? off empty. Yeah. Oh it's, yeah. See, that's not, me. that's not good. So look at this. Oh yeah. I've seen that on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. So apparently these things are amazing. And uh, for the sleeping stuff, because obviously it's just a ring, so you're not going to feel it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was considering getting one of these because we had um, a MMA dude, Brenton Mumford. He came on the podcast and he he got one and he reckoned it's amazing. But there's things you can do to tweak your your deep sleep and stuff like that. eh? So it's that's what that's one of the reasons why i like this because yeah. you can see, see i, I started at. taking a supplement for sleep um when i first got this because i wasn't getting yeah. as much deep sleep yeah and then that actually it actually Helped. did help and you can sort of see it helping and stuff yeah, so yeah. yeah maybe get the ring <laughs> i'll let you know a, i don't know if it's like a fashion thing yeah, but yeah. i'll come back to you in a six months time and let you know <laughs> yeah but the the sleep i got the opposite problem with sleep i can't get to yeah. sleep so for me it's just i'm the exact opposite like to actually get it to the point where my brain shuts down is that's the the trouble for me once i'm asleep i'm out like a light and then i i can sleep for i think your body gets used to sleeping eight hours too and then you just get into like a routine i actually was in bali for february and i was so used to waking up at 5 30 a.m every single day for two years of COVID because I wasn't traveling. I woke up at every single night at 3.30 a.m. because there's a (laughs) two-hour time difference. That's what it's like going to Perth. going to perth or going to new zealand it's just like two hours two or three hours i'd rather have the eight hours i'd rather a full day of jet lag than the two or three hours like it's it's the worst yeah yeah that that uh the east coast when you're in america too where you're constantly doing east coast to west coast it's only a three hour swing but that actually is the worst amount because it's just enough to completely it was funny i said something when we were in perth the other day for um supercars and i we were talking about this exact thing and i said you know that's why Maybe that's why Murph, like Greg Murphy, was always so grumpy because he was coming from New Zealand and <laughs> was sleep deprived yeah, all yeah, the time. Yeah. 
just threw him under the bus there. But yeah, yeah the, the three hours is just, uh, it's a nightmare. Yeah, that's, I feel like that's harder to overcome than the, yeah. than the big stuff. Yeah. Totally. But you, so you've never done the Europe thing you were saying before. Never been to Europe. I know I'm so uncultured. It's disgusting, but I don't like, it's just never been. It's very hard to get to from Australia. It is. And, and I have no excuse because both my parents are um, English. And so like my sister has a dual passport. She has a British passport and an Australian passport. I could have the same, Yeah. which would make traveling very easy overseas. But, um, I just have never really, yeah, I've never had an opportunity to go or there's never been an yep. opportunity for me to like take the time away to go. Actually, in 2020, after Will and I got married, we were like, there was a five week break in the season because it was supposed to be for the Olympics. So like, yep, okay, honeymoon, we'll go over. I was going to try to do an Ironman over there in Germany and then we're going to travel and then that'll obviously turn to shit. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know when we'll have that opportunity again. Well, you're a person that stays very busy in Australia and international travel is a <laughs> real good way to jack up that program. <laughs> well, and the, and the problem is like, I mean, you're the same. You have your schedules, like supercar schedule. It runs from, you know, what, March to December. Like, so the only time you really get mm. is the Christmas time. And then that's always a prick you know tricky time over christmas to be traveling and stuff so i don't know maybe it's a thing for when we all retire <laughs> yeah and the the thing is the last thing you want to do at the end uh, yeah, of the super, supercar yeah. series is get on another plane yeah, exactly. or a plane for a way longer yeah, yeah, time yeah exactly so i don't know there'll come a time where where we get there this this will be my first time going to europe from australia though yeah okay so i'm, I'm not looking forward yeah, to that big trip yeah it's i think the first flight is 15 hours and then six from there. Just load up the Netflix, mate. Load it up. Yeah. I, I don't watch TV, so I have so much shit that oh. I can watch, watch. too. Oh, you'll, you'll be fine. You'll be sorted. What? Any recommendations? Uh, Yellowstone. That's yeah, been need, my yeah, best. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's have you, you haven't seen it? No. no like, no. that is 100% hands down one of my favourite, like, TV shows of, yeah, recent time. I just think that is just... It's gnarly. It's crazy. All right. I might you'll have to love do it. that. There's, I've been recommended that show yeah, a okay. lot. Yeah. Um, so we should start with the uh, motocross side of things, being that we talked to a lot of different motocross <laughs> people. So you've come from the like the supercars world um, and that media kind of lane. You're also an athlete yourself. When I try you, to be an athlete, yeah. I don't call my. I'm a, very much an amateur athlete. <laughs> hey, we're the same in that regard. I actually want to spend a bit of time talking about that because yeah. I I enjoy watching the like the process you go through with training and mm -hmm. stuff like that, because I do a similar thing with jujitsu and it's like this weird, obscure mm -hmm. part of your life that yeah. is like this punish that you put yourself yeah, yeah, yeah. through and you don't really get anything out of it yeah. in a material sense. Yeah. But I feel like if that was not in my life, there would be this huge hole and I just would yeah. not even be remotely close to the person I am. So it's like, it's kind of weird to be that invested in a sport, I guess, in the way that we both are. Yeah, 100%. From the outside looking in. Yep. But when you're on the inside, you're like, nah, there's so yeah. much good stuff here. So we can actually, we'll, 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 we'll go there. deep in that as well. <laughs> uh, but what was, I guess, the experience of doing the Australian motocross uh, series last year? Obviously, it got kind of mm -hmm. cut short, but it was a massive step in the right direction for our industry. Um, so I guess what were your impressions of like getting that gig and being involved mm -hmm. with, you've obviously been super involved with supercars, which that's the pinnacle of Australian mm -hmm. motorsport. So yeah, I guess what was it like being involved in, in that kind of world? Yeah. I mean, obviously it came up out of circumstance. I, I was moved aside from my role at supercars in 
2000 and I lose track 2020 um and an opportunity arose to join the Australian Superbike Championship and the Australian Pro MX Championship and um I hadn't really had much to do particularly with motocross in my life like the the superbike side of things was probably a bit more of an easier transition because I knew some of the riders and I'd had um it been to races and I sort of yeah. knew a couple of the guys quite well through Will so that wasn't as daunting to, yeah. to arrive and be like oh shit okay now I've got to talk about this the motocross side of things like I'd been to a couple of races with Will and I suppose you know he used to, he used to be quite into watching you know Supercross and, and yeah. AMA and all that sort of stuff so I was it's not it was totally foreign to me but it I didn't know you know at any sort you didn't of depth feel like yeah an yeah oh absolutely not not a, not at all so I basically when I got the role just like immersed myself in this motocross life Sick. and listened to your pods um like all these different podcasts and was watching like all this stuff on YouTube and um we would awesome. become upstairs he's like what are you watching I'm like like in a deep dive on the YouTube watching the yeah. old school motocross and stuff and but um I loved I actually really loved working on on the sport um the the teams were I don't, I don't want to sound disrespectful but they were like surprisingly really well presented like the yeah. the big trucks and you know particularly like Honda and Yamaha like you know their presentation when you arrive at, at the you know at the track was pretty unbelievable it was really really cool to see um I mean all the riders just you know such elite athletes and they really are athletes yeah. but uh, as I got further involved in it I, you just it annoyed me that they don't get the the recognition yeah. and the media that they really deserve and it's just so hardcore like I mean you know like these guys you know they'd have a crash or they'd be an accident or they've got a broken wrist and they had surgery last week but they're on the bike this week or you know I remember one race I don't even know where we were and Aaron Tanty went down he literally had like tire marks up the back of his jersey yeah. he was all ripped he had skin hanging out everywhere and then it's like oh it's a back-to-back motor like hop back on get on off you go and I'm just like what the fuck <laughs> yeah. is this what even are these people like and um I you know I think motocross at the you know they'd had a really tough couple of years because of the way that the series sort of in the direction it went and then obviously with COVID. So I was really um, hoping that we'd be able to, you know, bring it back to where it d- deserves to be on a national level and get some money invested and, and sponsors and that sort of thing. And I think we did a really good job in those first, that first part of the year before the, the season got cancelled again. Um, and I, it's a real shame that I'm not part of it again um, this year because I really felt like we were getting some momentum back yeah, and yeah. Um, hopefully that can continue. Um but yeah, like I've got nothing but positive things to say about the sport and about the riders and the teams, and yeah, it was it was really cool. Yeah, that I guess that sort of answers one of the the next questions or you know, lanes to kind of go down is being an athlete yourself. Can you look at these guys and be like, "Holy shit, you guys are so gnarly"? Yeah, a hundred percent. And um, I've most of my career I've been involved in sport in some way I mean mostly with motorsport with the cars but um, with triathlon and running and, and various bits and pieces and then you look at these guys and girls uh, I shouldn't discriminate but they're there you know they're like it's what max heart rate for you know what 20 30 minute motos and then you've got to do a, often do a back-to-back moto and it's the, the mental side of things and you know I think what sets moto apart from like um, racetrack is the racetrack as much as it can change, like it gets grippier or it gets slippier or things like that it's or if the weather, tense, but it's though. within, yeah, yeah, it's within a like the actual direction of the track doesn't change or like, yeah, you know, there's, yeah. there's not a Where random, yeah, there's not a random hump that comes on, you know, halfway through the race. Whereas, you know, moto, it's the tracks changing 
every lap or every section of every lap and and you know and that's like the mental capacity that that takes up just to be knowing where you know where you're going as well as the physical side yeah. of things and then you've also got you know what 30 32 blokes or you know people around you that are also just hammering and um yeah it's just it was a bit of it was pretty mind-blowing just to be right there I was pretty lucky you know you get to be right in the thick of it when you when you you know when you're presenting and reporting and um seeing you know the best Australia has you know in terms of on two-wheel stuff so yeah I'm I'm really happy I had that opportunity and and, you know maybe there'll be an opportunity in the future to go back there it's it's gnarly when you're on the track and the the guys come past on the big bikes yeah the 450s and you can feel the ground moving as they're braking and you can feel and like the there's like a vibration that comes off the the bikes as well as the sound yeah and i think that it is a if if it could get showcased in the right way there probably is a lot more kind of tv package appeal than what we're showing right now yeah i totally agree and look i've been in a very privileged position i've been standing on a grid prior to bathurst you know i've been there like you're in the thick of it but to stand there at the start gate of of a you know of a moto in mx1 particularly you know when you've got the best australia has to offer lining up and you're standing there and it's so like it's so um i don't even know what the word is like because it's there's nothing polished about it you know like it's real raw, raw you yeah. know and it's dirty and it's like there's shit everywhere and i was you know couple of times getting sprayed with you know rocks and sand I'm like well you know you'll learn that very quickly where to stand but standing alongside those bikes as the gates drop is probably one of the best experiences you can have like in terms of at a you know sporting arena like just the the feeling of what is about to happen and then you know seeing what happens you know who grabs the whole shot it's a pretty cool experience have you been to many supercrosses yet no no oh years ago in Melbourne when um was it like the you know what Ryan and Sando were yeah, running yeah, like at but, yeah like years like I'm talking years ago yeah, um, was, yeah we had an opportunity to go but you know I think what they're potentially you know what they're doing in in the sort of months to come and, and the yeah. next couple of years is going to be yeah it's going to be cool I'm really excited for it yeah I think that it's cool that you think Australia the Australian motocross has a bigger potential than what it's seen it's been just on the struggle bus Mm -hmm. for i I think probably 2008 2009 10 they were probably the prime years in australia where the series kind of was fairly healthy guys Mm -hmm. were making pretty good money Mm -hmm. there was a lot of teams um there was a lot of good rides the bikes were really good there was a a talent being exported Mm -hmm. from here um but it's just it's never had the tv package it's never had the the presentation that would kind of make it mainstream and i think that australia is such a crazy fanatical motorsport country and Mm -hmm. the v8s is the reason for that you know it's kind of that's been the backbone for years um but yeah it's it'd definitely be really cool in the future to to keep seeing it progressing to the point where it's never going to compete with the v8 supercars but even if you get half the budgets and half like if if motocross can be half as big as v8 supercars like we'll be doing pretty we'll be doing really well yeah and look and i think um, if you're a motorsport fan, like if you like cards, you tend yep. you tend to have an interest in bikes or vice versa. If you're if you're a bike guy, like you, you don't mind sitting there and watching cars or Formula One or whatever it may be. Like I think there's a real crossover between all motorsport. Um, you'd be very you'd be sort of very different if you didn't like any motorsport apart from yeah. one particular. You know, 
So I think that, um, you know, I think that they've got some good plans in place. Like when I was there last year, that they, that they had a good direction of where they wanted the sport to get to. And look, let's just hope that, you know, it continues on a, on a upward tra- trajectory. Um, and there's some, there's some good riders here in Australia and, you know, um, like just being able to, yeah, spend a bit of time with them and, and sort of learn, you know, what they've been doing and how they've, you know, gone about their, their craft and, you know, what they've done overseas. It's, you know, I was in a really cool position. What, what do you think that the sport could easily do to, you know, like if you've got a magic wand and you, from that season, because you're in an interesting position where you know the inner workings of how the supercars stuff mm-hmm. is run from a, a media perspective. And I think that my position these days is everyone is essentially like a media company first and mm. then they but then they do v8 supercar races yeah or i'm a media company yeah, that yeah. does a podcast and sando and bailey are a media company that runs a supercar yeah. so that's pretty much how the world is and i think that the successful brands right now are the ones that think of themselves yeah. in that way so you being so entrenched in media you've got like a unique perspective mm. on that um what would you do with the magic wand Look, do you think i mean it all always comes down to money but i think there's little things that you can do like you know i I look at it's funny like motocross guys more than any other motorsport are like like social media like they've got big presence on social mm. media like youtube is big in motocross which i was like okay i didn't realize how big <laughs> yeah. these dudes are like they're you know making youtube all the time and so i think that you just it doesn't take any money to lift a presence on socials and like True. like that in it's that's just easy stuff you know like pull stuff from the guys that are you know someone's doing a youtube like ask if you can have a like a highlights clip and stick that on the yep. on the you know main uh, main social media media platforms of of motocross like i think that there's small things that can be done that literally cost zero money or maybe it's you know a person that just needs to do the logistics side of that um and look i think some of some of the the challenges we had last year were you know some of the tracks are pretty grassroots and it is hard to host a national championship top level championship at a track that may be yeah lacking of you know facilities and yeah. things like that and not not just like we had big crowds at all the tracks but yeah. it's like okay well you know we've got to look at where the investment's going at a grassroots level in order for I it to feed agree. through to the yeah. top and and that's like really basic things like toilet facilities and canteens and that sort of stuff um and i know motocross is kind of raw and a bit dirty and all that sort of stuff but, but, it should, but that's not how it should yeah, stay but but i think there's if you're putting a national championship on then certain things have to be you know elevated to to, to that level um but that obviously you know it all comes down to like everyone working together the tracks working with the promoters and the promoters working with the television and all that sort of stuff but i don't think there's a huge amount amount of things that need to be done just to lift it just a really small level yeah and and we've got it's one of my pet peeves with the championship and it's probably a bit different with the old promoter with kevin williams like there's a lot of dealings with tracks and Mm -hmm. then there's tracks that go there and then they're not happy with how things have been done before so then they will say that we'll never run a event while you're Mm -hmm. the guy promoting it so there was a lot of that so we end up going to these tracks that are shit like they're 65 tracks Mm -hmm. and a lot of the best tracks are just completely off the calendar yeah so for me the i think you're exactly right but we're just there is the facilities there we're just yeah. not using they're just not even in the in the conversation yeah. um for 
getting a, a national light. But did you see the Gum Valley track this year? Have you? Did you watch the highlights from that? Yeah, we didn't go that. Yeah, that was new this year. Yeah, we didn't go there okay. last year. Yeah, yeah, so that's the perfect example. And the the TV package that they put together from that was epic. Yeah, that really looked like. Yeah great australian racing yep. i'd be i would be happy and proud as like a i guess an international per, like person within the industry to go this is from my yeah. my city this yep. is from my hometown and i'd be proud to put that up against a, a bud's creek yep. or a red bud or one of those kind of flagship u.s yep. facilities or one of the, the big and European look i think tracks. like the first event we did was one thaggy in 2021 yep. and that was my first event and um and look like considering um you know how the championship had been in the last couple of years and we rocked up there and like look it was presented fantastic like it was beautiful the, you know all the trucks on display alongside the you know yeah. the, the front um of the track and i mean apart from the weather being like literally minus 10 but it yeah. was like it was i was really um pleasantly surprised at how how well the track was presented and, and what what that event looks like and I, we can be really proud that we put that event together with you know a brand new team and a brand new television a brand yeah, new promoter yeah. and all that stuff and that was you know we came away from that thinking well if this is where we're starting from we can really like take yeah. it to the next level um and but that's you know then you sort of went to a few other tracks and you're like oh okay we're really gonna have to like you know <laughs> take <Make> particular <laughs> yeah, yeah. camera angles and things like yeah. that to really like you know lift this and and make it on you know a level that it needs to be yeah yeah i think uh i feel like that's probably not a crazy hard problem for us to solve as an industry if we do kind of get together and and maybe maybe we've got to start by saying this is the national venues that we're going Mm. to for the next we'll commit to x amount of years and then there's x amount of money that's got to go into the the track and then it's got to be built by this specific Mm -hmm. company there's a guy pro tracks in australia that does amazing work so i think that that's probably yeah and then you go this is the plan for year one this is the plan for year two this is the plan for year three and then maybe after a few years you go, all right, we're going to pull this track out, but then there's going to be another event, like a standalone event that we do. And then you can sort of slowly over the next 10 years build out some really great facilities. um, Yeah, I agree with you. And look, and you you know, you don't want to sort of given too much of a hard time because it has been such a rough couple of oh, years for, for them sure. and then not having a full championship last year was was really tough but I think it's about look let's get a really solid year in this year like mm. just let's just get the season do- like there we'll like make sure that we attend every single event that we've said that we're going to attend get the year under our belt and be like okay we've had a really good 18 months under our belt now we need to commit to okay for the next two years we're definitely going to do six events or eight events and it's going to be you know, like Queensland, Mel, you know, Victoria here that, you know what I mean? Like you just really need to commit to yeah. something that people can look to the future and go, okay, well in five years time, if I'm doing, you know, juniors now, like where does my future yeah. look? Cause yeah. at the moment there's probably kids going, okay, well, I don't know where my future is going to look like. Um, is it going to be in Australia? Do I need to leave, you know, ASAP to get over, you know, to Europe or get it to America, whatever it may be? You know, I think yeah. that the, the, the pathway probably is a little bit sketchy at the moment. And if you're a parent yeah. that's investing yeah. all this time and money, the, the amount of money that you have to invest to be a professional supercross and motocross rider from your parents to get Correct. you to that yeah. level is insane. And then if you're a parent that has the ability to invest that money, then you've probably made some money yeah. and you're probably pretty smart and know <laughs> what it takes to make yeah. money. And as you said, if there's no 
pathway if there's no future that that is clear yeah. and visible then what's to say that those parents yeah. would invest in those kids or spend that money yeah. here what i was really impressed by was like the the guys at beaton's like beaton you know he has beaton's yeah, and yeah. like the the program that those guys are on and there's probably i think there's like 10 or 12 of the of them now that are part of his program like that was super impressive to see that there's a whole program of it's whether it's nutrition whether it's you know fitness it's physical it's you know days on the bike it's this that like I was you know I've never really seen that in like I mean there's probably a guy that does a bit of stuff like that in in supercars um from a personal training point of view but I haven't really seen a whole program where it's like all encompassed yeah Yeah, the whole thing like here's your package like come join us and, and you know we'll we'll you know, basically get you direct your career, career type thing. So I yeah. was like super impressed with that. And the results that those guys yeah. have had and it looked, over yeah. the last couple of years too. And then Kyle Webster this year was yeah. just incredible yep. until he got hurt. Yeah, which is I'm like a, shattering. I'm a massive Kyle Webster fan. I think he's yeah. one of the best and nicest people 100%. I've ever met in my life. There's yeah. not there's not many yeah. people that are better as a person than, yeah. than him. I didn't think he'd do this good. I, if there's anyone that I want to do yeah. good, it would be him. I did not think he yeah. was going to be that good on a 450 yeah, first year. Yeah, pretty devastating for him to have have oh. the injury. And um, like he's he's from Perth, so I feel like people from Perth always like click. Like you're just Are oh you you're from, from Perth? Perth. Yeah, I'm from yeah, Perth. Okay. <laughs> like people from Perth, we all just hang out together. And yeah, um, yeah. and like he yeah like he said the nicest guy, really beautiful family, like just very polite and doesn't. Like he's like you don't want to have a stereotypical like motocross rider, but I don't think no, he's your no, stereotypical no, no. motocross rider. Like he's so well spoken, he's got the vegan thing going on. Like just a really polite kind of guy, and um and then just gets on the bike and is just a total animal and Savage. it's just crazy. Yeah. But um yeah, like I'm I'm shattered for him, and you know hopefully you know things will be able to get back on track pretty soon. But it speaks to the success of the yeah. the beaten. And, and Regan as well, like yep. I mean, like he's he's just such a friggin' mad dog. Like I have so much time for that kid, Perth boy, Perth kid again. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, like you said, like all the all the guys that were sort of leading the championships were all coming out of the Beatons formula. D- did you have any intel on if they're going to go to WA in the next few years? I don't know. That's don't. another very big disappointment yeah. for me because the best tracks, some of the best tracks in Australia, are in. WA. Yeah. And huge motocross, like huge motocross family in WA. There's, how do you call yeah. it a national championship? It's an East Coast championship <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah. is what it is. And I, I don't think that that is cool. I think that you've got a lot of people in WA that yeah. pay their Motorcycling Australia entry fees and their insurances for their licensing and for them to be not represented. I know that it's a, a logistical yeah. thing, but last year we drove there. Yeah. And, we and look, you, you, that's sort of what I was saying before like you'd like to think that like we can get a whole year under our belt this year so that we can say okay we've had 18 months nearly two years of a pretty solid championship um with pretty good sponsorship packages you know from a from a um serious point of view and and decent television so you know what what does the next two years look like and that needs to include you know other locations as well yeah i think uh there's a way to do it as well because the travel's the big thing yeah. and the semis. But, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you've got a different opinion. I don't know that semis are super necessary at every single race. Yeah, and maybe it's not. Or maybe it's like in order to get a race in WA, it's like a collaboration between the teams that say, you know, yeah. we're only going to take, like, look, let's 
let's go in together. Yeah. Like only take two as, as opposed to taking four, like, you know, trucks or whatever it may be and, and try and do it that way. I don't know. I mean, I don't know the logistics of how each team needs to work, but maybe there needs to be a bit more. One semi-trailer yeah. for four bikes <laughs> yeah. is probably not the move when yeah, it comes to it. And yeah. that's how they kind of run it. And I suppose that's maybe something that needs to be looked at from a, from a serious point of view that is a way that, you know, they can make it happen and get the top guys there. Yeah. And and I think that the there's a couple of options in my head is you either A, you do take all the semis, you take the whole show there, but it stays there for three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And or then, do a back-to-back weekend. Yeah. And yeah. you're doing, uh, I think that we did a, we did a ride day. It's actually the track where Regan got hurt. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Bunbury. Bunbury. Brilliant. Like that's a brilliant track, a brilliant facility. The club's amazing. The people that run the club. We did a ride day there last year. We announced it a couple days before we got had 130 riders show up. Yeah. So (laughs) it's a crazy strong community there. The track's insane. So you could do, and then I think Manjimup should have a national Mm -hmm. as well. I don't know if it takes away from the, The, they've got the Manjimup 15,000. But I don't know if it takes away from that, uh, how you work that. Or do you have Manjimup, which is the first weekend of June. And then that's just Manjimup. And And then have one off the back of that. Exactly. So you're kind of staying there. And then do you go from there to darwin and yep. there's a national there and then you do one in north queensland and you, yeah so i don't know maybe there's there's a way to do it or you commit to just taking all the semis all the tools like a, almost a flyaway mm-hmm. round and then building some scaffolding and having pits like a box yeah, set up yeah, yeah. So as opposed can, to because yeah. the you don't have the semis at supercross at new zealand yeah and i actually think it's better for the event because all the riders are mingling together because everyone's in a pit it it creates a really unique atmosphere where everyone's forced to be around each other um and then it makes it really compact for the fans Mm -hmm. too so that you can kind of so anyway i think there's a a bunch of things that, that can be done but it's cool um that like you said there are some steps sort of yeah being made you know yeah yeah i mean look we won't solve we won't solve all the uh issues here today but i think that um I think they've they've made a really big leap yeah. to get where they are now and it's yeah it's about looking what you know the next sort of 5 years is going to look like. And can you see it being a, a lot bigger than it is or you know Yeah, you- no, totally. I think it deserves to be bigger than what it is, but you know I and I think it just comes down to the last probably what 4 or 5 years. I mean, you know better than I do that it's kind of not had a direction, you know yeah. what I mean? And and yeah. now it's kind of got a direction and I and look I had a couple of the V8 guys come to god where were we last year I can't think where we were um and like got them down into the into the pit area during yeah. a, during you know MX1 and they were like eyes wide open just going like this That's is freaking cool like this is a really really cool event and um and i think it's is because you don't want to lose that grassroots of like the access you know like and that's what fans love at motocross they have cool access they can get right up against the fence and really get like a pretty awesome spectating point of view but but you also need to you know have it at a level that's of a national you know championship as opposed to just like a you know amateur grassroots event yeah do you think that it would be the kind of thing well I, th- I think a really cool way to do it would be to have someone like seven come on yeah. board and because it's sbs now right sbs and and it's gone to stan this year yeah the, okay the, um because it was fox fox sports and sbs previously yeah. and now it's uh sbs and stan sport and so who does the v8s is it seven 
Uh, Seven and Fox, yeah. Yeah, so I think that if there's some way that it can be kind of on the same sort of platform and then you could kind of leverage each of the, you know, the championships off each other and then... And I think it should be the same with ASBK. Yeah. Because I think that's probably one of the coolest things that the internet allows for that is for people to... Your digital... Uh, your like digital personality like yeah. a Todd Waters and yeah. then um, a Chaz Mostert or whoever yeah. they, they can kind yeah, of yeah, coexist yeah. in, that, look, in that space. And that's what we saw last year with ASBK at the Darwin event because we had ASBK yeah. at, at the Supercars Darwin event and then they had drag racing at night and um, and it really was just like a cool event because you know ASBK got to be on the big stage with with supercars um and you know they got all that you know extra exposure plus we had all the sort of interchangeable things where we had you know lounsey taking yeah um getting a two-up ride on on crew holiday and then we had you know josh waters he went for a hot lap with cam waters like it was all that sort of stuff where you can do all that sort of stuff because you're all on the same card and you know you can really you know cross promote between all the and there's cross there's sponsors that are cross promoting i mean yeah like look at Penrod, they're in they're in all of them, you know. Like there's so it works because you've got all that. So, and look, there was talk um, last year that they were going to have a, a pretty big um, motorsport event, which was going to be a collaboration between you know motocross and ASBK and potentially supercars. And yep. look, if that if that was on the cards in the future, that would be that would be awesome. Yep. Um, it's just a, you know finding the right location, and Darwin is a cool location for that because it's sort of small town vibe, but yep. also has the track that's you know that can work for both of them um and but it also has to work for each championship like you can't have one being the hero and then these guys just getting yeah. you know treated as poor cousins like they both need it they all need to be heroes at the same event type thing yeah yeah but i think that cross promotion is probably the way that we can really because I, I feel like there's just a sort of social proof. Oh, this guy's hanging out with this guy yeah. so they're on a similar level and i think that was one of the cool things I think that's what the Lawrence boys are really doing for Supercross right now mm-hmm. is they're bridging the the gaps between the the sports. So you've got F1, MotoGP, Motocross, yep. or like Supercross. And Supercross has always been way down here and F1 and MotoGP, mm. they've always been kind of, the, they're so far yeah. out of that league. But then when you see jet given marquez yeah, the donut yeah, yeah. and marquez cool is, is on yeah. the podium yeah. it automatic it's like social proof yeah. oh our yeah, yeah, guys totally. are the same yeah. as here and i think that it's such a that's such a great strategy for any sport to use that that wants to elevate their profile yeah. because i think the profile of sport is only as good as the profile of the athletes yeah 100 percent. and look i think nowadays more than ever like I look at Formula One and, you know, you see like Danny Rick and you see Lewis and like like they're they are they are themselves the heroes now. Yeah. It's not the team, it's not even the car, like it's like they are the heroes. Like you'll you see, follow a driver yeah, from team exactly. to team. And you'll and you'll see like even on the weekend in Miami, like I mean you see the images of like Lewis and Danny oh, yeah. rocking go, in. Can you go find the we need some walk ins of and those. um you and it's like Yeah, Instagram, yeah. Right? And I was like so what did I put on my Instagram that like Lewis Mi- is hot, yeah, M- Miami Lewis is the best Lewis. Like because he just he just absolutely just you know, went to town That was a sick jacket it. combo. Uh he rocked up with a no shirt yeah yeah yeah. That, i think that was like the saturday the yeah because sunday he had the full pink outfit but like that's that's the kind of stuff like how's like i just love i yeah. love lewis i mean people people slam him people hate it but oh i'm not the biggest fan eh look i'm team danny rick though so it's pretty hard for me to 
But Lewis, I don't know. I mean, I, don't know I get I get why people don't like him, but I just feel like he, what he has done for Formula One, like his yeah. reach beyond motorsport is something we just have never, ever seen before. Like he had Michelle Obama for bloody hell, like in his pit garage over the weekend in Miami. Like he's there on the, he's there at Met Gala. He's there on the front row of, you know, Fashion Week. Like he, he's got, you know, he's there like with Beyonce and Jay-Z. Like he's crossing, yeah, he's crossing so many different um, avenues of, of pop culture. And I think like what he's done for motorsport in other areas is like, yeah, we've never, ever seen it. I completely agree. I mean, like, I'm how? not the biggest fan, but Look, I completely like, how? Agree. Like, I can't that even. Is, that <laughs> is the, pretty dope. It's the best. I freaking love it so much. But, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, people, like, people follow them because, yes. and it's the same in, like, in NBA. People follow um, players because they rock in and you've got the chains yeah, or they've got the 100%. shoes on or, like, the cool outfits. And I'm like, kids see that and they're like, oh, man, that is, like, I need to get those shoes or I need to have that hat or whatever it may be. And I think that. If you're an athlete and you're not playing to that, yeah. you're missing the boat. Like you're oh. so missing the boat. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I mean, yeah, they're, they're really, Lewis does do it so good and he does bend yeah. so many genres. Oh, yeah. he, he is a modern day rock star. Yeah, hundred percent. And there's not many, you are right. You're looking at a LeBron type of guy or uh, like who, who is probably like well, a, like a Durant, you know, like a Kevin Durant. Yeah. Like they're like these, they're almost bigger than the sport yeah. in a and way. And yeah, and he, he is bigger. Like people will hate me saying this, but I feel, I think he is bigger than the sport because he's crossed into so many different genres of, of pop culture and society um, through what he's been doing. And look, you may hate him for what he says and his attitude, but... Yeah, that's the could, bit what I don't yeah. like. I just feel there's just like weirdness with with his attitude about certain things and i'm just like ah come on i don't know but he is a spectacular athlete to win the amount of races that he's won and to do what he's done in the most competitive sport yeah i think that it's just insane it i think it's hard though when you look at let's say a tiger woods or a lebron james Mm. michael jordan any of those because that's the level that Mm. he is I just don't know if drivers get that same respect though because they're a part of a team and a car mm. and you can you so it's always a two-part conversation yeah. it's always Lewis in the best car yeah. is he in the best car would he yeah. win if he was in this yeah yeah so I think that that's probably where some of that or that's the leg people have yeah. to stand on I but guess. you need I mean look in motorsport you need both you need to be the best 100%. driver in the best car in the best team and but and people can say, well, maybe he wouldn't have won all that if he wasn't in that car, but he would have found that car because the best athletes exactly. find the best environment for yeah. themselves. Yeah. So whether like, yes, and there's always going to be sliding doors moments and there's always going to be like, oh, okay, well, he was there at the right time because that's when they took off and all that stuff. But the, the best athletes yeah. Yeah. find themselves in the best environment and the best 100%. situations. And be- whether that be the car, the team, the mechanic, the engineer, his buddy, physio, Angela, whatever, you know, like people... And it's the same in supercars and it will be the same in, in most sports. Like the only like sort of anomaly maybe is like a an AFL where there are arguably the best players who won't win a premiership because they're not in the best team at the time. And that's probably yeah. the, the, you know, a bit of a anomaly in that sense. But I think in, in a motorsport sense, like the best will find the best because you're that's s- how it works. You're so right. And and I, I seriously think that all of the things that you would 
kind of, uh, I guess, it could work against a, a, a person like Lewis. You go, oh, he's lucky to be in this. He's mm. lucky to be in that. I think that when you really break down luck, though, there's all these different versions of luck. Mm. And there is a version of luck that you end up manufacturing totally. for yourself. 100%. And you just trace that line all the way back to the very beginning of your life. And there is just this slow uh, compound interest of mm-hmm. good luck that you can create in your own life that is exactly what you said leads to you being in the best car in the best era whatever you've got Mm. the best sponsors it's almost a recipe for success where you can't lose yeah and then that's where people will to kind of go against your point but it's like yeah he is lucky but this is this manufacturing of luck from a four-year-old kid in a go-kart and what you're seeing is the result of like compound interest in a sense yeah a hundred percent. And like you have that conversation all the time in motorsport, whether it be Formula One or, yeah, um, or supercars, yeah, yeah. because, you know, people say, oh, well, he, you know, I suppose use an example like Jamie Winkup, like, because he's our best, you know, yeah. he's our greatest. And people say, well, well he, maybe he was in the best car, but, but he was in the best car because he deserved an opportunity because he was the best at the time and then, yeah. you know, continued and what he did with that team over time as it and evolved. The, and the human that he yeah. is to keep that drive yeah, exactly. and to never, get, yeah. never and get laid off when times got yeah. tough or whatever. And that's what I think if you haven't been around sport in mm. some way, whether it be yourself as an athlete or, you know, working in media or as a sponsorship manager, like whatever it may be, if you haven't been around sport, it is difficult to understand what it takes to stay at the top level for many years you know seven eight nine ten years or whatever it may be like Jamie for example staying at the absolute top of his game with the absolute most pressure on himself from external pressure social media pressure you know all that sort of stuff and then yeah and then and then juggle that with everything else that's going on and to stay at that pinnacle level of an elite athlete over a 10 year 12 year 15 year career is insanely hard insanely hard and yes they do get you know, paid well and they get, you know, they live in a nice house and all that stuff. But like, it's all relative. Yeah, more to money, what, more problems. Yeah, it's all, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. But it's all relative to that situation, you know, like, and and I've been in a fortunate position that I've been around athletes through my job and then obviously through Will, my husband. And, and it is insanely, insanely hard to stay and maintain mental yeah. and physical and emotional discipline. like discipline and yeah. success for an extended period of time. But you're right, J Dub is a gnarly dude. Like yeah. I I know J Dub in a way more casual sense of mountain biking mm-hmm. with him, having some beers. I'm I'm haven't really been around the J Dub at the office that much. And when you frame it like that, the position that that dude's been in mm. for so long how was he just the coolest, cruisiest guy through all that as well? Because you actually, the dude might as well just be a guy that owns a car yeah, wash. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, but I, I mean? think, you know, like I think he has a really, um, a, a, an incredible ability to, to switch between, you know, each, yeah. each of his personas. And, and, and I know him as like you as a mate and someone I've known for, for a very long time. And he, uh, Will, myself and Jamie all used to live together. And when we were sort of just, I liked kids um and and but he's a once he's in like race mode race face mode it's like he's an animal and he's ruthless and it's just eyes forward to to (laughs) you know what he needs to be like the focus and all that sort of stuff and and you know him and Will have had some times throughout their friendship when it's gotten a bit 
you know, spicy. Dicey. Yeah, because like they're both fiercely, you know, competitive in their own way. And, and like, Jadav didn't give a fuck. He used to do no, some yeah. gnarly shit. And, and, and ruthless. But I think that, you know, most athletes that are at the top of their game, like he has been, um, has an element of that in their personality. Like it's very rare. I suppose like a Kyle Webster <laughs> who yeah, can, yeah. can just be this like super polite guy, but I don't know Kyle in like a, in any other way than that way. So, um, but yeah, most athletes that are at the absolute pinnacle have yeah. that ruthless cutthroat, will do anything to win type, you know, mentality. Yeah. 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 Man, what, what are we thinking about the, I love the fashion. I wonder where it comes from in Lewis though, while we're on the topic of Lewis. Because he takes some big fashion risks. Like we, Matt, you need the one from today, the full pink, the full pink like shirt, go. Um, shoes. Yeah, he had like purple sunnies. They were the full oversized shoes. Yeah, too. yeah. Go on his. Can you go on his story? Yeah, seriously, he'll be on there for sure. I he takes what, not. Um, it's. I don't even know if it's a risk. Like you can kind of pull whatever but it just makes a statement like yeah like how on the weekend the, there it is the bang <laughs> focus in pink <laughs> so good because the i mean how good's that picture though like of of david beckham tom that's brady so hectic like seriously yeah, that's, i mean that's the level he's on yeah that's the level he's on so cool there's a few goats there huh yeah yeah no that's cool yeah no the, i i will agree with every single point that you made about Lewis. So me not me not liking him is not in disagreement with any point that you made. Down to the fashion, down to everything. There's just something about him. I'm just like, ugh. But then I've thought about it. I definitely would like to do the podcast with him. And then this is the what I've always have well, what I've learned from doing this. If you genuinely just talk to someone for three hours you'll find it very hard not to like yeah, that person. Yeah, totally. So I'm, I'm sitting here saying, I'm like, nah. but then I know that if I spoke to him, I'd be like, he's the best guy in the yeah, world. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind yeah. of... No, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd love to be able to do an interview with him. Jesse Yates has done a couple, like um, when it's F1 Grand Prix time. Yeah. And yeah, that, that would be a pretty big bucket list to be able to do an interview. What's your favourite interview you've ever done? Or like, what's the biggest, oh, best interview? I get asked this a bit and I have, I don't have a good answer for it. Like in terms of an experience there it yeah is. There it is. well i wonder what, what brand it is oh it's so good um, in terms of an experience um when i did the when so when craig Lowndes and stephen richards won bathurst and um so god what year what year are we like 2015 maybe yeah 2015 um and the crowd you know how everyone sort of run like fans run onto the track and like they're all surrounding yep, the, yep. the car and and myself craig and richo all sat on the car and the noise from the crowd i've never in my life experienced like such deafening chants and i couldn't hear anything i could barely hear what they were saying to me um so from from an, like an experience type thing and i was pretty young still in in my career like that was next level like yeah. that was amazing I suppose from a, a more personal um, level, when Will won Bathurst in 2016, I again got to do the, the right. winner's that was interview. Dope, yeah. um, and I suppose at the time I didn't really think about it so much because you're so lucky, like, so yeah, in, in the, the moment. moment. But like, uh, like in reflection, years gone by, I um, I think like, wow, like what an amazing opportunity for us. Like he's won Bathurst, which is the pinnacle of what we have here in, in Australia, and I got to be the person that. Did the did winners the interview. interview and like as a couple i don't know how many other couples would be in a similar ah, situation a to have situation. such a cool experience yeah. together and have that as a memory and have those photos and 
Um, so, you know, those two is for me. Is it on YouTube or on Instagram or anything? Um, it'd be somewhere. Yeah, I'd be out. Try to find that, Rose. That'd be pretty. I, re- I actually remember but, um, it. I remember watching and it. But it. it was such a controversial finish because that was the, the finish where, um, you know, McLaughlin, J-Dub, Ten, like they all they all crashed and then and then Will it was technically second on the road, but then um, J Dub got the penalty. The, the penalty, yeah. so he obviously they, that's why they won. Um, so it was like you know there was a lot going on, and it was and it was in a time of Will's career when he had been at Techno um, for a couple of years, and it was pretty it been a pretty difficult you know couple of years in his career, and was with a team that wasn't necessarily like a favorite to win or anything like that so it was kind of like all of that together yeah. and then it was just like holy shit like this is happening like I cannot believe it and um yeah so for me personally that's a pretty special special interview I've done like a couple of cool ones like with the the Madden brothers they came out mm, to the Gold Coast yeah, 600 yeah. Um, god that that was really young when they came out um got to interview them like there's been a few they're diff- nice dudes yeah today. super yeah. nice dudes it came up as a memory actually on my facebook that, and i was like wow i look like a child and they both look really young but stuff like that which you know i suppose at the time you're like oh this is cool but then you think back you're like yeah that is cool like you know getting to speak to people like that um who else was there um did we have solange knowles once at the gold coast oh, event yeah. as well she and she was amazing like um, yeah, so I've I've been in a position where I've you know got to speak to some pretty cool people and been there for yeah. some pretty cool moments. Yeah, I think there's a funny contrast or like a a bit of a paradox though that if you're the kind of person that can really excel doing an interview with somebody in that big of a moment, you have to be a person that kind of cannot give a fuck. Yeah, <laughs> so it it it's not it doesn't play into. I guess soaking in and, yeah. and like appreciating the moment as much because yeah. to do that job you have to be bigger than that moment yeah. in your own yeah, self totally. in, a, in a way and it's it is that like especially for this like was that it there it was hard because you know that's my husband who's just one bather so obviously the natural reaction is just a, freak yeah out. like yeah. freaking go nuts but yeah i'm like in a in a role where i need to be professional and, and like keep my shit together yeah um but then it's it's been the flip side as well like when will had a big accident at tassie in 2017 like i don't know if you remember it was raining and there was literally like the biggest pile up there would have been 12 14 cars crashed and will was part of it and um he he ended up fracturing a bone in his back from from oh. the accident and i could see like you know we were watching obviously in the garages and i could see he was on the floor on on the side of the track and i'm asking like is he okay is he okay and then the you know, time went on and sort of the next minute he's off on an ambulance leaving the track mm. and i'm but still there, stay there still there having to finish off you know the day and like that was pretty that was a pretty tough time even though i knew he was relatively okay the the sight of seeing him leave the track in an ambulance after like one of the biggest accidents we've seen you know um at tassie uh, was like really hard and then mm. you know i had to quickly rush off and get to the hospital and then we were at the hospital all night and then you know go back to work on the sunday the next day and act as if it's all good and knowing that he's you know in a hospital around the corner and mm. getting x-rays on his back and you know stuff like that so there's also those moments as well where it's you know the other way like it's the real you know worry and and having to keep my you know keep my brain switched on to and focused to what I'm doing as opposed to having to you know normally you'd just be sitting bedside with him at the hospital type thing yeah yeah that makes sense is this it right is this it the I don't know if they would have the wonder 
Yeah, I can imagine that'd be such a crazy feeling though yeah. to see. I mean, it, it'd be hard to even know what the, that perspective is. Yeah. Like, who do you see yeah, in that yeah. moment? Do you see Will the driver? Do yeah. you see Will the husband? Yeah. Oh, there it is. He's such a legend. <laughs> but it's like, it's so weird. Like we're having, I've not spoken to him. Like he gets yeah, out of the car yeah. and I'm like, so you won. How and was it? <laughs> it's such a weird experience. That is, huh? That's his mom and stepmom. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> yeah, that's so good, eh? <laughs> I haven't seen this for so long. Really? Yeah. And do you know what made this really special? So the little, the young, oh, you can't see. He's a, there's a young kid there, um, Flynn Porter, um, and it, it was... Sorry, I don't. This is probably a story you may not know. So Mark Porter was killed at Bathurst in two thousand and six. Yeah, uh, right. Who was good friends with us, and his wife. So the kid there with like a flat peak cap. That's his son Flynn, oh. and he'd never been to Bathurst, and it was the ten year anniversary. anniversary. So he came that year in two thousand and sixteen, and Will and Mark were were friends, and and we're you know best. I'm best friends with with Mark's wife Adrian, and to have Flynn there that year, it was just this weird. Yeah. Like. I don't know, like a a weird, yeah, Yeah. aura about the fact that Flynn was there and it was the anniversary of Mark's death and and then then Will won and it was just, I don't know, it's kind of like, you know, sometimes things just happen and there's no real explanation for it and that was kind of one of those days where, you know, Flynn was with us on the grid and it was his first time being at Bathurst and, you know, sort of being involved in car racing and, and and then for Will to win with Flynn there, it was, yeah, it was sort of... Yeah, it was a cool moment. Yeah, that's a crazy experience to to go through. Yeah, especially it's cool seeing it too you know that there's you're a part of that win too yeah. that's probably that's probably what makes that a little bit weird because you're doing the interview from the perspective of a complete outsider yeah. that's got nothing to do with it whereas you are actually in the trenches yeah. day in and day out and a part of that victory um in a sense too yeah. so you're sort of interviewing yeah, like yeah. you're not a part yeah, of it yeah exactly and that's like i suppose that's the the thing you sort of you still got a professional face and you just got to ask the right questions that you're supposed right to yeah, yeah. As opposed to just like oh my god you won <laughs> yeah yeah oh it's still cool so when did the so when did the media thing start for you like what was your pathway to get into into this world um so my so i grew up in perth and my background was um dancing so from a little little kid i did dancing like performing arts drama like musical and theater all that sort of stuff and did it pretty seriously so i was like every night after school i'd be at the dancing studio all day on the weekends and then every school holidays we'd have dancing competitions and that kind of developed into yeah other things like doing proper performances and then I worked as a professional dancer for a long time when I was like a sort of from a teen up until when I left Perth in like early um my early 20s and I always just wanted to be involved in the entertainment industry like I always saw myself whether that be you know singing dancing acting like I don't know I didn't really know what the end thing looked like but I knew that I wanted to be on the stage in some way yeah um 
and then I'd done some like TV commercials and things like that in Perth and there used to be this I don't even know what the show was called but it was like a panel show that was on a community TV channel that I'd done a couple of times when I was pretty young and um and then the way I got into supercars was um, my mum saw a, a little ad in the newspaper for the Miss V8 supercar competition. Oh, yeah. And she's like, oh, you should enter this and see how you go. And I was like eight, 18, I think, at the time. And so entered, won that, went to the grand final and then won that. And then the following year, I was the Miss V8 supercar. Oh, okay. So I spent a year traveling with the V8s, like doing kind of the things that they did, like autograph sessions and radio interviews and righty righty yeah, rah. Yeah. Um, and they had a, an internet show, like it was called, um, big pond panel beaters. And it was like a little show they did on a Friday night of a race meeting. And I sort of did a couple of little spots on there. And so when that year finished, I basically said, I wanted to be involved in the media somehow. Like, is there a chance I can do work experience or, you know, what, what can that look like? Um, and yeah, they basically said, okay, the next year, if you can get yourself to some of the events, like you can like beat like I didn't get paid and yeah, they right. just said like, if you can get yourself there like we'll give you an opportunity to do some stuff on like what used to be the big screen like just the you know the coverage at the track yeah, yeah. and that's really where it started um that's cool that's different so, to what I thought yeah yeah so I didn't have I didn't have any motorsport background at all like I didn't grow up in yeah. a family that had a motorsport interest um like we were a family like we enjoyed AFL and like but most of our stuff was was like dancing like that's all I yeah, ever did yeah um and and yeah, I just sort of got thrown in the deep end um, when I first got to a supercar event and they I remember the guy gave me a microphone and then there was this cameraman and the cameraman, I'm like, what do you normally do? He's like, oh, I shoot weddings. I was like, okay, sweet. What a team we are. <laughs> and then off we went and like just did like, you know, colour stories, like things like that with the fans and the merchandise area and that sort of stuff. And wow. that's kind of where it started. Yeah. yeah, that's straight ground floor. Yeah, yeah. And people probably thinking that you shouldn't be doing yeah, it. Yeah, and totally. And that's where like um, those first few years for me were pretty – that, that would have been tough. Yeah, yeah, because I'd come from this pageant, you know, parade yeah. sort of model girl and I had long blonde hair and I was only, I think I was only 19. So I was young, like a young girl, like stepping into this industry that I had no prior knowledge of. Um, and then, you know, doing this this TV stuff and which I, again, didn't really have you any skills. Have any like <laughs> I'd done a couple of things, but certainly nothing to the level that I, you know, needed to be at. Um, and it was just learn on the job and it was kind of just sink or swim. And, um, you know, I suppose, yeah, like that maybe some people wouldn't have survived that because it, it was pretty rough. Like some of the, the comments oh, that I used man. to get on Facebook and stuff were pretty torched. hard. Yeah. And and even like on, you know, at the tracks and, and people would say, you know, I was only there because I was with a driver because Will and I had started dating by that point. And, you know, I'm only there because of, you know, what I look like and like just all, and then just like really, yeah. And then just like some of the comments were pretty, pretty brutal. And, and I think a lot of people like would have struggled to, to deal with that. Um, but yeah, like I worked full time during the week um, and had a couple, like still did some other, you know, bits and pieces on the side and then would get myself to a supercar event and, and work the weekend and basically did that for a couple of years before I really got a job, so to speak, like where I was getting paid yeah. <laughs> and, and not that I was getting paid much money, but I was, it sort of looked like there was, I don't know, Light at the like, end of the tunnel, yeah, like yeah. There, it was kind of going somewhere. Um, and really that kind of just 
like you know, as the years went on, like I got more opportunities and got to do more things and got to do more events and and the big screen coverage coverage got bigger in terms of like there was more money invested into it and we had an actual um, producer and we yeah, had a proper yeah. like we had a proper team that started to build and um, it wasn't just sort of like me and some shonky cameraman <laughs> going to like record stories. So yeah, and then you know as. Um, as the years went on, like they used to do shows called V8 Extra, which was like a magazine show that they used to air on like a oh God, Saturday afternoon or something like that. And, you know, got a couple of opportunities to shoot like a color story for that. So it was like, okay, wow, now I'm on the actual TV, you know, now I'm on the coverage. And yep. then I think it was 2014 um, where they, so basically when I was doing the big screen, I was kind of like a jack of all trades. I did the color stories. I'd do the pit lane. I'd do some commentary. Like I'd do like I'd help with you know, editing stories. Like That's I was kind cool. of like doing it. Every- and I'm I'm glad I did because it gave me oh, 100%. It gave me experience. It, it gave me an insight into what was required to put this stuff to air. Um, you know, we were a really small yeah, team. You do seem, even when we're talking about the motocross stuff, that's why I went a bit yep. deeper into the production side of things because you really do seem like you understand the production world yep. on a different level. There's not a lot of people that are, I guess, just presenters that have a real deep understanding yeah. of the whole process. And I think that's, um, you know, I'm grateful that I was, like even though it was hard at the time yeah. and I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like I'm grateful I had that as a learning experience and, and got to see it from the other side. Um, and I used, you know, it was like asking lots of questions and how does this work and always wanting to, um, yeah, to learn more. Um, and then, yeah, I think it was like 2014 that they actually, I remember Scott Young, who was the boss at the time, got me in for a meeting and was like, okay, we're going to bring you into the, the channel seven telecast. And I feel like it was Sandown or something. It was like middle of the year. And I'm like, oh, like on the TV. And he's like, yeah, yeah. We're going to bring you in for pit lane, like for, for the channel seven. So you're going to be with, you know, Beretta and, 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 uh, who was there at the time? Beretta, Larko, might've been Daniel Gibson as well. Can't think. But like, and I was shitting myself. I was absolutely terrified yeah. about joining, not only like being on TV properly, on live but TV, with those people, but then with yeah. these guys, yeah. you know, who are, who are, you know, such experts in their field. And, and I was probably terrible. Like I can't imagine I was any good at all. Um, but I was really lucky. I had like Scott Young, who was our boss at the time. He was a really big supporter of mine and um, was always like encouraging. And I just felt like I had someone who had my back like even though if I stuffed up or you know I was getting slammed online like I felt like the I had people that had my back and were like no 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 you know you deserve this place and you've done the work and that sort of thing and and that was so important people probably don't understand how hard it is to put yourself out there in that in that role and then be at the mercy of fans feedback and then you've got to show up and do it again yeah it it sort of isn't uh, athletes pursuit in a way that every week you can go and perform and be mm-hmm. judged and then you've got to show yep. back up and perform again the next week yeah a hundred percent and <coughs> and like it was just so daunting for me because I was this young girl who didn't have a lot of experience who walked into this production room and you look around and there's you know Mark Beretta and there's Mark Scaife and there's Neil Crompton and there's like Tom Williams was working with us at the time and you know Larko like and there's all these people who are at the top of their game, you know, from, you know, whether it be racing or from television. And I'm just sitting there looking around. And they like, have a like, legitimate yeah, reason to Yeah, exactly. Be and yeah. I, I'm sitting around going, well, what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You know. Imposter syndrome. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, at the time, I suppose Instagram wasn't as sort of 
strong as what it is now fortunately but Facebook was you know all over it and and like yeah like some of the comments I used to read and then you yeah like you said you've got to rock back up you know a couple weeks later and and do the same thing again and and it's playing on your mind okay well don't say that because you sound like a dickhead last time but you know make it so you say like this and and yeah, that took a that took a while for me to really feel comfortable. And look, I'm still don't you know still now, and I'm like what 15 years later, like I still don't finish the day and be like, oh okay, God, you know, was what Killed stupid it. yeah, what yeah. stupid thing did I say today? Yeah. Um, but you just get better with dealing deal with, with it, it, and yeah. you get better at like being able to, you know, if you see a bad comment online, you, you know, you just you can handle it um, better than what I used to be able to handle it. Yeah, that that is hard, and that's definitely a skill to learn. I think. The first time I really had to deal with that was 2018 with the Chad Reed podcast because mm-hmm. it was on such a big platform, a yeah. different level <laughs> yeah. to what it was before. He'd never done one before, and it was a few hours and whatever. Mm-hmm. And man, I got fucking hammered for the first for the first yeah. time. And it's hard when it's a organic, slow. You know, we yeah. were doing pretty. We were doing good enough to get Chad yeah, on yeah. the podcast. Like he wasn't a friend of mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he wanted to come on, mm-hmm. so we'd sort of been doing good enough. But to just be exposed to mm. essentially the entire industry yeah. and, you know, that was the show that like Casey and Ricardo and like all, everyone started listening mm-hmm. to from from that point. But I got fucking hammered and I had no way of knowing yeah. and I wasn't from this world. I was just a dude that was like producing my own little yeah. thing. And then all of a sudden you've just got... There's one one video on youtube that probably has no shit three thousand comments like saying i'm a dickhead basically <laughs> and i was just like i shouldn't wow. laugh because that's not funny but <laughs> no, it's, it is funny but, in a way but yeah i i, to, I hear you to yeah. deal with that though, i was just like fuck this is hectic yeah and and i think now like the world we live in right now 2022 the the online criticism is is outrageous and and sometimes supercars like now yeah and sometimes like you know sometimes it's 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 proper threats like it's death threats it's like threats of abuse physical abuse that sort of stuff and and i don't know like we're in a position we like we need to have change and i there's some stuff going on with with what aaron mullen's been doing with with trolling and that sort of stuff but we're currently in this position where the online space is so dangerous it's so good but it's also so dangerous and we can't keep living like this. Like there needs to be change. Because it is gnarly in F uh, in V eight uh, supercars, right? Yeah. Like because I sort of hear it mostly through Ains and yep. and Maddie. Um, but it actually is quite quite bad. I I I don't know that I have ever experienced yeah. the level of what yeah. goes on in that world. Why Why is it so bad Look, in that area? Do you I think? don't know if it's like supercars. I think a lot of sport probably would say that, that it's really probably bad for them true. as well. Yeah. I think it's just we're so like that's the industry that we are you know immersed in. But um you know and Chaz like Chazzy Mostert he's doing some really good stuff with with what he's trying to get out there with you know the no social hate hashtag and what he's doing he for Dolly's dream. Yeah. yeah. But I, I remember it was like Adelaide 500 a few years ago and um, Rick Kelly had an incident in, in Pit Lane yeah. where he, he crashed and I, I, I interviewed him sort of in the heat of the moment and I can't remember my exact words but whatever I said to him, uh, his answer was kind of like I suppose seen as controversial or something like that and he got slammed like he got like serious serious hate and it was threats and like death threats and threats to his family and his son and, and all that sort of stuff and it, sh- it like it knocked me for six because i was like i'm the person who put the microphone in mm. his face 
that led to him saying what he said and therefore led to like and I really took that quite hard and quite personally and and it and it I really struggled to to navigate how this is my job as a reporter as a presenter is to get the information but I need to ensure that I'm doing it yeah exactly yeah Yeah. and I don't want to put anyone under the bus and and it was a real difficult time for me to just like work out well hang on a second like how do I do this like how do I ask the right question that gets the the response I want without like ensuring that you know ensuring that they're still protected in a way and and I in had some you know again I was lucky I had good people around me who sort of got me through that and and it probably sounds dramatic to someone but it but it's a sense of responsibility yeah, because of, care, of, yeah. of what's of what's going out there you know and um and and yeah we're in this position now where like it doesn't matter what people say people are going to be annoyed like you know they're going to please everyone which is a supposed thing you've got to get um yeah comfortable with yeah but then things happen on the weekend like just recently in perth um when we won and there was a controversial moment between him and cam waters and the the threats of abuse and again death threats and like i was getting threatened on my dms because i'm will's wife and i'm like i what have i got to do with any of this you know and and but stuff like that is so like it's disgusting it's gross that you know someone like myself or even fans of mine sent me messages saying oh we just sent will a congratulations and we're now getting slammed online because we're on his side type thing or whatever it may be and that's the stuff we need to get rid of like that Mm. is you can be passionate about your team and passionate about a sport but threat you know threatening violence or threatening you know abuse and all that sort of stuff and and personal threats is is just there is absolutely no excuse for any of that yeah and that's the weird thing is that it's just a game essentially you know yeah, like that correct. we're just here watching yeah uh oi Reigns, can you get griff to turn that ac on yeah and close like events super hard in here yeah start to heat up <laughs> yeah get him to make it cold too if, if possible <laughs> yeah the this studio is extremely soundproof mm. but it's also extremely no, there's no airflow <laughs> and we've got like, the, like a, a and we, sauna. yeah we got the we got like this soundproof box that comes from the aircon mm. but with the way the vents work it just it doesn't work properly yeah. it's like the one thing that's wrong with this <laughs> with this studio and then as soon as you have it cold enough to have the studio nice yeah. out there is just like an igloo oh, really? and everyone's in like <laughs> ski jackets and shit we can't get it right yeah um yeah, yeah i think you've got on the one side, you've got these fans that are passionate enough to care. Yeah. And we want that. We which want, you want. Yeah. But there's a line yeah. where you're like, okay, you've gone from passionate to weirdo. Yeah. Let's have less weirdo yeah, yeah. and more passionate. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's hard to get that balance. Yeah. And look, I um, just, when I was on SAS last year, um, that sort of opened me up to a whole new audience as well because mm. most of my career has been a pretty specific audience. It's been a motorsport-based audience. And then, you know, I did SAS and then all of a sudden you're on a on a primetime sort of television show, at, um, you know, on a mainstream network. And so you've got all these other people who are now, you know, introduced to you. And there was a couple of episodes um, where, you know, like I looked at some of the comments on like TikTok and stuff and I was just like holy shit like this is next level like next level you know just how can you be so angry at someone or hate someone eh? who you've never met and you've seen them for like what 10 minutes on a television show like it's it's blows my mind that people can be so incensed and so like have so much rage against you that they've never met you because i i just don't understand it i think that's my ultimate position as well on it is that I actually don't have any friends in my life 
that would leave a YouTube comment or a TikTok yeah. comment in that way. Yeah. So I sort of, I care about the people that are like my friends, essentially. Yep. They're good morals. Yep. They're, you know, good people. If they think I'm a dickhead and they want to say it to me, they're not going to leave a comment on YouTube or my Instagram. Mm. They're going to talk to me. And so it's like, I just, I guess I figured out that I can't take stock yeah. in what those people kind of say. And I also think it's nice when you reach a point um, on your Instagram or your TikTok where you actually can't keep up with the comments. Yeah. So you just don't go there yeah, anymore yeah. because yeah. it's not like a place that you can have any kind of legitimate discourse. Like there used to be a way on Instagram where if I commented and someone replied, I'd see that reply and I could, mm. you could sort yeah, of yeah, have yeah. a conversation. Yeah. And now we just, yeah. we just don't have that. Yeah. So. And, and, I think, and then people ask me this all the time, like, how do you deal with the trolls and the negative comments? And I think you're always, I don't, I'd struggle to believe you if you said you'll never, ever, 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 like, care. Like, I think everyone always has an element of, oh, that was, that's pretty rude. Or like, I don't know, that's, you know, like that sort of cut, you know, deep a little bit. Well, Um, yeah, that's, that. (laughs) I think my take on it is, sorry, cut you off. The the stuff that has a bit of truth in it. Yeah. That's the shit that hurts. So they're the comments that you read and they actually affect yeah. you when there is a bit of truth like yeah. ah, i was a bit of a dickhead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, yeah you're right yeah. The, the ones where you're like fair play they're the ones that yeah. get you but but what upsets me or what upset me particularly last year um i had a couple of trolls that's what they are um and they were saying stuff about my family and um when my dad passed away i had a particular person who was like commenting on all of my photos and on my family's photos as well and I was like look I put my life on Instagram and I I put you know what I want out there and I'm comfortable with that but do not dare touch my family and like do not bring them into this they didn't choose this they didn't choose to be you know part of a public life I did so that's like that seriously crossed a line for me and you know that's it was just there was absolutely no excuse for anything like that yeah yeah no I, I completely agree I'm I'm very lucky in that sense of not like I, I guess I don't have to deal with yeah. it in that same way but maybe there's a day that yeah. comes but I, I think probably probably when you are on that more national that, that's I think that's one of the things with the podcast where I feel like it's lucky in a sense in that lane is that I'm kind of only being shown to people that kind of want to see yeah, what yeah. I'm doing. Yeah. Well, they're and choosing think, to listen yeah, to Yeah. And then anytime that it's like forced upon people in a sense, obviously people can choose to watch, but when you've got four or five free to air channels yeah. and you're on one of those, yeah. there's, there's a lot of people. They're not necessarily picking to watch you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They're picking to watch that yeah, channel. Yeah. Or they've only got these channels yeah. to watch. I think that changes the yeah. game completely. Yeah, totally. And look, I'm, I don't want people to think that I've just spent my whole life getting slammed because I had to do, I've got some really yeah. good people that have supported yeah. me and and like amazing. We can people. build great friendships. Yeah, and, and well, that's, that's it. How we like, know each yeah, other, exactly through yeah. Instagram. And and there's so many people that I, I feel like I've known them forever and yeah. I know them so well, but we've never even met before. Yeah. So like in that sense, it's awesome and and it has allowed me to you know have a really awesome fan base that are so supportive of me and and you know they they keep choosing to follow me and all I do is put up mostly photos of my dogs or me running or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So, yeah. But so that's the good side of it, you know, and I think, you know, unfortunately you've got to take the good and the bad. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, like you just got to focus on, on the good stuff. Yeah. It's uh, it's a weird thing to navigate just in, in general. And I think that even if you're – because there's people that are 
famous mm. on Instagram mm. that are not famous yeah. for anything, but they're kind of... Hey, mate, you you made the Gold Coast Top 100 oh, yeah. influencers. <laughs> yeah, 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 true, <laughs> true. Uh, but You're famous, bro. Yeah, right. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Hoping no one would ever mention that. Uh, so, but they're... So they kind of have to deal with like mm. deal with a level of being known or but if you take that away if you don't exist digitally and if yep. you just have your real life I think that's probably something I'm trying to work on a little bit more cuz I'm not very Instagrammy in mm. terms of my personal I don't post much at all mm. I don't scroll a lot at all yep. um and I I see a real I guess even at this point with the podcast, I can watch a clip and it doesn't even feel like me. It mm. sort of just feels like a product, like mm. feels like my job. So there's it yeah, a weird identification thing that goes on with Instagram or being a, a personality because you essentially, you exist in this different yeah. place. Yeah, yeah. Because the internet, it's kind of everywhere, but it's nowhere at the same yeah. time. And there's a version of you that exists yeah. on there. And then there's a version of you that exists in your house yeah, with exactly. no phone in your hands yeah. and the shutters are closed yeah. and you're making a coffee in your underwear and then yeah, you're yeah. sitting on the couch. It's, like, yeah. it's a it's a very weird thing just in general for for people to navigate. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, and I think why are people watching me? Like why are they choosing to follow me and watching my stupid stories? But then I do it to other people. Like I'm yeah. like, well, why am I looking at her, like that person? Like because, I don't know, you just go down a rabbit hole and you end up like – I don't know, three years deep into someone's Instagram. <laughs> You're yeah, like, yeah. what am I doing? But <laughs> yeah. but that's, I don't know, like that's what we're just weirdly wired. Our, our brains are like so yeah. invested into these other people that we don't really know. Yeah. It's, it's it, bizarre. But I think there's a lot to gain from it in a sense too, because you can kind of, it's how I've always looked at it with the podcast is you almost have mentors. Yeah. Because I know from a lot of messages I get, about the podcast there's there's a lot of people and you look into their instagram and it's nothing against these people they're fucking legends but their life isn't this crazy Mm. there's not not that much excitement in it they live in a small town Mm -hmm. from a small place they're just raising a family Mm. they're just they're fully doing their thing in their own little nutshell Mm. when will they have access to a person that can inspire them to do this or with your like I was when you were training for the I think it was the Cairns Marathon the Cairns Ironman that you did I'm like watching your training I was I train every single day and I'm looking at your shit being like fuck yeah she's getting it you know so there is a a really cool element of being able to have access to these people there might not be anyone in this guy's small town that's that is running a triathlon yep. that can psych him up to do a, yeah, get on Zwift or so you almost you kind of do have this little community and and I think that people maybe they don't take it serious in that sense mm. that they're just like kind of willy nilly following everyone and yep. creeping this person yeah, that yeah. person going down <laughs> but you you kind of actually getting a chance to curate yeah. your own inspiration it's like yep. a living mood board in yeah, a sense no, if, that, if you follow the right people you've put it well and i think that's the, that's the point you've got to follow the right people like there's a lot of shit online and yeah. just a lot of time wasting but um, and I suppose I learned that last year when I was training and then and then training for SAS afterwards. Um, just people like, you know, oh, you've inspired me to do this or like I've never run before, but now I'm you know training for a 5K run or whatever it may be. And, and in my head, I'm just doing what I do, you know, yeah. I'm just doing this. But then to hear stuff like that, you're like, wow, like people are 
invested in what I'm doing and, and, and taking something from it that's going to benefit them um, without me even really knowing that yeah, it's, you know, that yeah. I'm doing that, which is yeah. like a kind of a weird thing and sort of was really strange to hear, particularly after SAS, like people you know sending me messages saying like you know i watched with my daughter and and you know you're yeah. a role model for her and yeah. and like that's quite like i was very overwhelmed to hear stuff like that because it's like you feel have a sense of responsibility to these people and and people who are following you and and you want to make sure that you know you you know you're holding yourself in you know a yeah. good regard and you're not yeah. being a dickhead or you're not posting stuff that you shouldn't be posting yeah no and and i think that it is important as well i think uh to have really great women in motorsports just mm. to i guess go back to our world of, of mm. motorsports a bit because like if you gave me a choice these days of having like you as a presenter at the mx nationals or an all-male cast i definitely want to have mm. someone like you there it just adds something different uh there's a different perspective yeah. that you can come at it from as a woman there's a different delivery there's a different uh way that men and women interact yeah no together. i agree with you yeah and, I totally uh, agree. so i yeah i think that it, it's just kind of it's cool for you to be the kind of person that you are as even a someone that other young girls or women can aspire to be because i do think it's a very positive thing for all of like motorsport in general you know mm. yeah and it's like i suppose for me it's kind of strange because i never set out like i never i you know, when I very first started this, what, 15 or 16 years ago, I never was like, okay, this is where I'm yeah. going to land. You know, yeah. it's kind of just like things have developed and I've done different things. And, and then all of a sudden you're like here and like, holy shit, like, what, how did I get here? Like, yeah. what even just happened in my life that I'm in this position where there are people and, and young people and, and women who are asking me for advice on how they should develop their career or what pathway they should take. Um, and, and, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful that I'm in that position now that I, even though in my head, I don't feel like, like, I still feel like the young kid that just arrived, yeah, you know, I don't yeah. feel like I'm, should be someone that people should be looking up to. But, um, at the same time, it's nice that they, yeah, there are these people that are coming up to me and, and asking questions and, you know, they want me to talk on behalf of women and yeah, or behalf of, you know, just some, you know, a different perspective on, on what it is like to be at a racetrack. You know, I think if you have, if you just had a, a like if you're on TV and you've just got a cast of all guys that have all X races or they're all yeah. X drivers, the the experience you, they're going to give you is is very like one yeah. you know like it's kind of like one dimensional because yeah. they're all coming from the same lived yeah. experience. Whereas you know you add people like myself who's never raced or you know a female who's raced or you know whether it's just a male who hasn't raced but he's got a different perspective because of what how he grew up and how he's learned the sport. Like you need yeah. the light and shade of it all. Like you need all of it. You can't just have one. Oh, I completely agree. And and I also think it's important though in saying that to acknowledge like when it can go too far yeah. as well. And I think that that's that's probably the reason the fact that it can go too far is probably the reason why there's a whole group of people that just doesn't want it to yeah. even happen yeah, at all yeah. and yeah. i think that that's probably the the hard bit i think it's important as well that's something you do so well there's just no over the top female it's not an angle it's not the mm -hmm. only yeah. angle and i think that that's definitely where it needs to get to is that you've got let's say you've got eight people trying out for the or you've got eight spots on a broadcast team and you've got 300 people mm. that are these potential applicants or whatever four of them are just going to be 
the best in their women and four of them are going to be the best in their men. It, mm. it, the ultimate dream would be that it just works out that yeah. way because you've given these people the opportunity and the best people get, the, get jobs the jobs. And yeah. it just so happens that this chick, yeah. she's the best. And I mean, you know, people say about you that you are one of the most knowledgeable people on the broadcast mm. overall. And it's, again, you're not, you've never raced. You're yeah. not coming from any particular background you're just on your merit with yeah. the work and the investment that you've put in you add as much to the broadcast yeah. as an as an ex-champion and i think like that's the ultimate model that everyone should kind of look to and it's almost like how do we invest in uh that talent in a sense from like a an earlier age so that when you know you get the next you that comes mm. into the sport it's just like red hot yeah you and, and the, i think that everything. will happen because i think yeah. there are more opportunities now in in all sports and in all areas because just the way the world is like you know when i started you know you're on you're only on free to air television and you know there's not really a digital space and there's no streaming and there's sort of like the like the Mm. website wasn't really like you know the thing that it is now whereas like now i look at you know if you were back when i was if you were there now there are so many different avenues like you can start with like instagram live or you can start Mm, on a facebook live we can start on a youtube or you know and you can kind of navigate through these other channels that really weren't well maybe they were there but we sort of just weren't using them you know when i first came in and and there's all these other places that you can land yeah before you know you try to get to you know that sort of main main broadcast and like even within supercars there's things that they're doing now for particularly for young girls like you know girls on track and you know yeah all these other um workshops and and things like that that girls can be a part of so that they can get an introduction like even the other week I did a, a an interview with a girl who she was doing her is it HSE like a year yeah, 12 exams yeah, yeah. and she had chosen to do it on a topic um about women in motorsport and so she interviewed me for her sort, yeah. of, sort of final paper and I'm like well god I don't like no one's ever like that just I don't think anyone would have thought to do something like that you know maybe 15 20 years ago like we're in yeah, such a different yeah. place now like of, yeah, who of does, the world who do you do that on 15 years yeah ago? and and even i don't think like schools would have probably given you the opportunity like to 15 20 yeah. years ago to do a do a project on women in motorsport for your final year exam type thing like yeah, i think we've yeah. evolved so far that there's so many other opportunities for people to get a start and then and then work their way through so that when they do land on the broadcast or wherever it may be they're you know they're bang on you know the, the best yeah. there is type yeah. thing yeah and like i always would take offense to someone who said oh you're just there because you're the girl and like i i really take offense to that because if i'm just there because i'm a girl i shouldn't be there yeah. that, sh- that shouldn't be the way it is like i should be there because i've worked my ass off and i've worked really hard to to get this opportunity and now i'm you know I've, I've kept the opportunity because i'm continuing to you know to work hard and do a good job yeah i'm gonna go do this aircon i'm gonna get a dog put the heater on it is like super hot in here and i've like got a huge like yeah. winter winter knit on CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. <laughs> Super spider sense is tingling. Um, we're talking about the... Yeah, how was... What was the process? Obviously, being married to a driver is going to give you a bit of a head start knowledge-wise, but did you put in a bunch of your own research and what, what did that process look like? Yeah, I mean, obviously, having Will was a, a benefit because... I got firsthand information from him, you know, like after race meeting on what went wrong, what went right, that sort of thing. Um, But yeah, at the end of the day, it came down to me putting the work in. Like Mm. I used to arrive to a, you know, and I still do, um, but, you know, arrive to a race meeting and have pages and pages and pages of notes. And, you know, every single driver, you know, had them all written down and like, you know, their their statistics plus like, okay, what have they been doing in the last two weeks, you know, and things are easier now because you've got Instagram and you can jump on and see what, you know, what people have been doing in their lives but you know that's that's really what it comes down to and you know watching the races when when we get home um you know even though i've been there and i've watched them all day but you know you see it from a different perspective and there's things that you miss and and so it's just it's not there's no like secret it's just like immersing yourself yeah immersing yourself in the sport and putting in the time and and getting to know the people in the lane and and ensuring that they know you so that you know when you walk into the garage it's not like you know who's this person walking in asking questions like you know you have that build that rapport and build that relationship with with everybody in pit lane and i think that's what you know i can bring to bring to the coverage is that you know i've got a really good relationship with everyone up and down the pit lane and um you know that always helps when you're trying to get information out of people because no one ever wants to tell you their shit stuff do they like it's like so you know you really need to work on those relationships to ensure that you've got the respect both ways so that you know you can ask some questions when it's you know when it's a crappy time and you would have had to fall in love with the sport yeah definitely be the level that you're at now what was the process like of falling in love with the sport that itself when did that I think that was pretty early on like even when I just did that year as Miss V8 supercar and I went to every event and and, um, you know, you get to know the people and, and being there at the track and, you know, trackside um, for every race. Like, yeah, it's just just sort of almost happened straight away. Like, this is a sport that I want to be involved in and, and yeah. this is cool. And What um, was it about the sport, you reckon? Oh, look. Because to be a dancer and then to be <laughs> yeah, yeah. a supercar chick is they're f- Very different. fairly different. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, you know, obviously the racing itself is, you know, it sort of speaks for itself. But for me, it was more about the people and and having the relationships with the people so that you have an investment in the sport. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, you'd be able to say the same thing for motocross. You have these friendships and relationships with these people. So you're invested in their success or you're, in, you're invested yeah. when, it, when it turns pear-shaped. You have, like, you feel like it's part of you type thing. And I suppose that's where it came from like I had an investment in the sport because a because of will and then b because I'd you know struck up struck up really good friendships with these other drivers and you, you know like you are now riding their 
you know wave of their yeah. journey and that yeah. sort of thing and that's really i suppose what like why i loved it so much early on did you have reservations of getting with will with the idea of wanting to do the media side of the sport as well because um, that can be hard when you're working with you yeah. say don't date people that you work yeah, yeah, with kind yeah. of thing. no like totally and i think in those early years we were very um you know, I, I really tried to keep things really separate. And even for the first few years, we never like spoke about being together, together. like particularly, you know, on air. Like I would, if, if someone said, oh, you know, your boyfriend will, like I really didn't want that to be like a, a topic because a topic, yeah. yeah. I felt like it shouldn't be necessary, you know. And and I've really prided myself on being, you know, unbiased. And, and I still to this day, I feel like it's so important for me to be unbiased. So if, if anything, Will probably doesn't get, what he deserves in a sense because you probably don't there's there's like a line yeah. of being biased and you're yeah. like okay we're gonna yeah, yeah. there's gotta be yeah. like a comfort zone here yeah, so and you miss out on all this even though yeah. you deserve it and i like i think back to like tazzy years ago so will and, and james courtney had a, a bit of a run-in and like james and was having words <laughs> you with james him is back. <laughs> I know. but then i had to interview james on the grid and so like you know they've had this these they've had words and I obviously go see Will I'm like what's happened right around and then like on air it's like so James and you know, then having to be yeah, you know, yeah, that person yeah. so like you're in this like weird situation but I've always made sure that well I'd like to think that I've always made sure that you know when camera's on and microphone's in hand I'm I'm just Rihanna who's working with the broadcast and yeah you know and that's it like and and keep it fair and and so I guess um where do you where, how do you guys navigate the public relationship in a sense like what has that ever caused any sort of dramas like i me personally i have absolutely no interest in sharing anything about my personal life in in that sense yeah. and i'm i guess it's a bit different like i can kind of have that choice yeah. i guess um but for you guys you almost don't have a choice yeah. people know you together you're yeah. both public figures it sort of automatically makes your relationship public. Is that fair to say? Yeah, maybe? no, that is fair to say. And and I suppose the, I mean, we've been together now, like I'll get this wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's for 15 years. Yeah, right. It's a minute. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been a lifetime. And I think as we've gotten older, you know, we've been married now and we, you know, settled in our home. Like I think it's, I don't think about it as much as what I did say before we were married or when we were early in our relationship and I was really conscious of being seen as, you know, like my own person and he's his own person. Um, but even now when we go to a racetrack, like, you know, we, we travel separately. We, we oh, a yeah. different com- accommodation. Like I can go... That's cool. Uh, yeah, I can go a whole day, like two days and not even speak to him. Like, you know, I'll send him a text here and there but not actually physically see him or speak to him and and, and that's just like... That I actually wanna... sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but I want us to both just be doing our own thing, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like I, I think it's important, like he's focused and got his stuff and, you know, I'm focused and doing my stuff. And yeah, like obviously throughout the day, if I can, I'll quickly run in and say like, you know, what's happening. And, and that's also like my job too. Like I need to know yeah, like what's going on. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I think, as you said, like the choice of being a public, like we are we are both public figures in a sense. So therefore people kind of know our life the only time I was probably more private is when we got married and and I asked everyone like not to take photos or not to post photos so not not people could take photos but I didn't want people posting photos for a few days because I felt like it's the one time 
where I really wanted it just to be about us and our just friends normal. and family and yeah. normal. And, you know, like a week later, it's like, yeah, cool, you can post stuff, but just give us this, just give us this time, you know, give us yeah. these four days or whatever it is, like just to have a moment where we're not on a website or something. Yeah, because yeah. I think that's, it's, again, a different situation. But, yeah, for me, the idea of just having every part of your life out in public just seems almost unfair yeah. in a way like what what did then you get for yourself yeah. in a sense yeah and i suppose i look i mean will and i aren't freaking household names like i mean yes yeah. within the motorsport industry people know who we are and and maybe a little bit more so because i've done the show last year but we're not household names and i can't even imagine what it would be like yeah. if you were that next level of 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 recognizable celebrity status type thing because we're lucky you know i can go to the supermarket wearing no yeah. makeup and yeah. like basically you know, pajamas and and people no one cares like you know i'm not going to be on the front cover of the freaking tv you know magazines and stuff so we're lucky in that sense but i suppose in the other sense yeah it's like and will probably says to me like stop posting stuff um because <laughs> <laughs> i just post everything but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like you're just working it out on the fly. Like it's not like I've made a conscious decision to say I'm going to post this but not post that. Like yeah. you kind of just – and you develop as a person. Like as you grow older, like things are more – you know, certain things are more important, other things aren't important. And yeah, it's like true. your relationship develops and how you want to be seen develops and like it, it's it's a constant change. And I, I don't think – people could say oh you're you know you were like this five years ago it's like well yeah I was like that five years yeah. ago but we've you know like everyone evolves you yeah. have to be evolving the fact that you don't stay together on race weekends that's sort of seems like the move I don't know if it's like weird to say that but it's I think that you just see so many dudes get it wrong with their wives yeah. and girlfriends and then wives that are that almost indistinguishable from their themselves and it just seems like yeah. a whole thing and from my perspective and I guess knowing guys more so in like the motocross, supercross, you see some dudes, a chick can fully derail their career. <laughs> and, you know, as a wife, you can get it really yeah. wrong. Yeah. So I think to the way that you're describing how it works, that seems like you guys actually get it, get it right. And do you see other people or couples or whatever that they, they definitely just get it wrong. There's not that space or balance. Yeah, look, and I could only speak from my perspective. Like, it works for us um, and it may work for other people to be totally, like, you know, together, yeah. the, you know, the whole time and that may get the best out of someone, you know, you don't know. Like, I think, I know, you know, obviously I know Will. <laughs> I know him better than anyone and likewise he knows me and, and I know for him to be able to get the best out of himself on a race weekend is, is to really be focused and in the zone and and you know and he can also be quite intense on a race meeting yeah. um and and i need to like not have that like i know that sounds really rude but um i'm focused on what i'm doing and i can't be i can't be both things yeah like i i need to do my thing and i can be like the every now and again i'm like hey how you going that sort of stuff but i can't be like a hundred percent in both camps over a, over a race meeting it just doesn't work and yeah. and that's what works for us so yeah, yeah. No, that, yeah no that's it's cool because you just you do see people that get it wrong and you yeah. see you definitely see partners that it feels like it's as much about them as the dude that just yeah. rode the bike or drove the car and just like whoa <laughs> What are we watching here? What are we watching here? Is this is this really is this really necessary? I don't know if that's judgmental or not, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, so the the dancing thing to grow up as a dancer mm. that kind of explains the triathlon 
athlete stuff now because so my auntie owned a dance school mm-hmm. in Cairns and my sister did the whole thing mm-hmm. like the four-year-old doing the ballet exams yep. doing the aesthetics doing the song and dance doing the modern doing the mm-hmm. jazz doing, but <laughs> i know that world has, has had as good as anybody yeah. uh, that's a gnarly way to grow up yeah and i'm i'm so glad that my parents put me in dancing because it like it teaches you discipline it teaches you like excellence you know, yeah excellence like being you know like having to to put the work in to be the best um you know there obviously is some naturally gifted kids but you've got to put the work in and and after school like I remember you know mum would pick me up from school I'd eat like dinner like or I'd eat a snack on the way to the studio and then I'd be there for you know say three four hours after school and then, you know, again, she'd pick me up and I'd be like eating my dinner on the way home. And like that was like every night and then mm. all day Saturday, all day Sunday. And um, and I loved like I loved it. Like I, I honestly thought that one day I would be like prima ballerina. Yeah, or, like yeah. a back or like a backup dancer for like a Beyonce, uh, uh, like, yeah. you know, something like that. And um, and, you know, it like it was my life. Like that's all I did, all I knew. Um and yeah, like it, I suppose when you say that sort of led me to being amateur athlete, um, yeah, I, you know, like I, I probably don't give myself enough credit because I was an athlete as a, as a child. Like that's what yeah. I did as, as, as a dancer. And, you know, I've got enough broken bones to prove, <laughs> to prove that I did the work and, and, you know, had all the injuries that went along with it. Um, and I suppose that discipline for training is, is kind of what, yeah, that's where it started. Yeah, that, that lifestyle is no joke. If yeah. you're one of those kids that's doing it to the level that you're doing it, that, yeah. that's what my sister was. And that it was a pretty successful dance studio yeah. when they did all the Australian competitions and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And uh, to then be the uh, niece of the chick that owned it, there's a, lo- mm. a lot of pressure, a lot of expectation. Yeah. Man, the work that my sister used to put in. Yeah. And she ended up, I think when she was kind of like towards the end of school, she sort of just phased yeah. out of it a little bit. It's mm-hmm. pretty gnarly regime. Yeah. It's sort of like gymnastics. Yeah, very much so. It's the same so. sort of yeah. thing. And, and like I was like your sister, I did like jazz, tap, ballet, acrobats. Yeah. Um, and, you know, at like a, a high, high level, level for yeah. all of them. And, you know, like I remember I was training for a t- – I was going to be Alice in Wonderland for a, for a ballet um, production and snapped my ankles so bad oh. into like – yeah just like horrendous and then that was the end of that production but I like I've got so many stories of you know like big injuries as a kid from just absolutely smashing my body (laughs) and then now as an adult I'm like that's why all that that's why everything hurts because of those years of of growing up and just being like you know yeah to the to the nth degree with everything I I'm reading a book at the moment it's called peak um the new science of excellence I think can you just double check that because I had a few people DM me just put it up on the thing I think so yeah peak the new science of excellence yeah uh but yeah it, it talks a lot about child prodigies and uh how you get to be an expert at something mm-hmm. and a lot of the scientific studies that they've done around excellence and peak performance uh, peak performers in later years comes down to to childhood and a lot of it the they study musicians mm-hmm. people that play the violins probably one of the hardest i guess things that that you can do and just the amount of hours that these kids put in mm. from such a young age and i think about my sister we did a lot of sport but we me and maddie we played 
football mm-hmm. then we did athletics then yep. we did bmx then we did uh motocross so we were doing sport almost every day but yep. we didn't have the focus on one, one thing thing um which i'm kind of glad now because i'm good at a yeah. f- few different sort of skills yeah but that excellence and that level of excellence that you can achieve as a kid yeah. and and dancing so gnarly yeah. for it and like yeah. and gymnastics yeah, as yeah, well yeah. and the the flexibility yeah. that you get and the the pain that you put yourself through as a yeah. kid it's a pretty special way to grow up you, in a way i guess you miss out on some things yep. but to have a kid like and and it sets you up i think for later on in life which you're probably seeing the results of now and my sister's the same like she's a pretty big hr manager for Mm -hmm. a a really big company and it's sort of it's pretty surprising to me what she can do yeah so i just look at this young chick that (laughs) kills it yeah but when i really think back to what she did as a kid yeah it kind of makes sense that she's a pretty gnarly person nowadays Mm. yeah that's all she knew growing up and i think like i grew up probably quicker than than most kids because like from Mm. an early age so from nine years old, I had my first job. I was a cheerleader for the Western Reds, which was a rugby team in Perth. Um, Up the Reds. <laughs> yeah. So from, from nine, like that yeah. was, and then I went in and I was doing TV commercials for Foxtel. Like when, I remember when Foxtel first came out and I was on yeah. one of the ads for it. And then I was a cheerleader for Perth Glory, which is the, the soccer team in Perth. And I did that for years. I was part of a, a, a cabaret group. Um where we had a singer and these, you know, us girls as backup dancers and we would travel all throughout Western Australia and yeah. perform and, and you know, part of some pretty big productions. And, yeah, so, like, I got to do some really – like, I had some really amazing experiences at a young age because of – through dancing and through performing arts and I suppose that put me in good stead, like, to be able to, yeah, have, have that lived experience and have that, you know – stuff behind me and I was I mean this is all before I was sort of 18 like yeah, so yeah. like it's it's a lot of life for a kid type thing and but I'm glad that I had that and and I think as as an adult when I started getting into um other, like triathlon and the cycling and stuff and that that um understanding of needing to put the work in yeah. to get the you know to get the gain obviously was put from from a young age and look I don't consider myself a, a fantastic athlete but I I've I give everything a hundred and ten percent, and that's probably sometimes to my detriment. And I ended up, yeah. you know, injured or sick or whatever. But um, yeah, like I feel like I have that that mindset that, that yeah. it's like an extra gear, right? yeah, yeah, to keep going. Yeah. And, and so, do you think back now when you're training for a try or doing like the SAS thing? Do you really go back to that mentality from from being a kid? Yeah, I suppose I've never really thought about it, but now that yeah, now that we're talking about it, it, it all makes sense. Um, and look, for for me, like doing triathlon is is not a natural sport for me. Like I was a kid that like was really good at running a hundred meters. Or I was like really good at doing like one, you know, yeah. dancing for two minutes or whatever. Like that was yeah. my body was good for that stuff. And and then to have like to move into like a more um, long distance sport of, of triathlon is very unnatural and I've really had to work hard particularly in running to to you know change my body and, and sort of get into that mode um, and and sort of just slowly you know ticked off boxes and then last year and went and did the Ironman and that was something I never ever thought I would ever be able to do. Um, so break down what's the legs of Ironman? So it's a 3.8k swim and then a 180k bike and then a marathon so 42k is running fuck yeah so that's a lot 
I mean, pros pros are doing an Ironman anywhere from like uh, like high seven hours to low eight hours. Like that's that's a, that's, big that's a day. pro. That's but a like big for day me, it office. took me like thirteen hours. So yeah, it's a long day of just grinding. grinding. Yeah, grinding out and and um, like mentally, like yeah, that's dark. So when you're on when you're on the bike. Well, I mean, when you're on, apart from the run, like the swim and the bike, you're you're not talking to anyone. Like, so the bike leg is over six hours. Well, for me, so you're not speaking to anyone for six hours, and you're down on your tri bars, like only being able to see the little bit of road ahead of you, and you've got six hours of your own head telling you, you know, either keep going or nah, I'm done. Why like I'm out. yeah, like this? why am I doing this? Why did I think this is a good idea? You and that was yeah, and that's really like the physical stuff is hard obviously, but the mental stuff to like be in in the zone with your head to be like no, you've got to keep going and once you get off this bike then you've got another 4 hours of running, you know, before before you can stop. Um but that that mental so stuff gnarly. is is pretty full on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can't yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I've got that. Yeah. <laughs> you'd be you'd be surprised yeah. what your body can do, and I I really learnt with Ironman, and then and particularly in SAS, your body can do so much more than what we've ever ever we'll, we'll never ever need to be in that place because in life we just we're very rarely put in that place. We don't have to. Yeah. Um. But if you are forced to go to that place, your body can do so much more than what you give it credit for. And that's really what I learned in in those two experiences. Oh yeah. As as silly as this might sound, filming when I was doing a lot of documentary filmmaking, uh, a lot of those big Red Bull shoots and stuff. That t- that was some of the most mentally challenging stuff for me because that sort of felt like a marathon in terms of the uh it was like a four-day thing if you're Mm -hmm. doing like a four-day shoot you're up super late at night and then you're up at 4 a.m for the sunrise and you've just your brain's got to be on the whole time there's pressure because it's a lot of money that you're getting paid to do this production and then you've got this shoot you've got to nail these days that you're there and then you've got to go back and you've got to do the editing and you're in remote locations like we did a shoot once where we had to make like this mini documentary about a race in alaska Mm -hmm. and you're in the arctic circle the van heating went out so i was sleeping (laughs) in my snowboard gear snowboard boots with like the whole deal just to try and like survive this night and you're there there's no there's nowhere else that that you can go so it's so gnarly when you willingly yeah. put yourself and then you just you do that shoot and then you do yeah, another yeah, one yeah. and then the next one's in Costa Rica and then you're hiking with a massive drone for six hours to yeah. a waterfall and so there, it, there's a uh, I guess like a crazy mental place that yeah. you that you go to and you got to just stay in and yeah, stay yeah. in the fight and then it becomes like that one foot in front yeah. of the other and to willingly sign up for that is yeah, a pretty yeah. crazy deal yeah and I remember like before I did Iron Man a friend of mine he's like you'll have a moment of despair but in that moment you need to know that it's a moment and like moments would just they just pass and yeah. like then then you, and then you're on to the next moment and like I, I certainly felt that there was like times where I was like I, I don't think I can keep going like I've it's it's just too much and but then it's like how quickly you can just be like nope park yeah. that and, and we're you know and we're, and we're going again and then you're like okay well I'm going again so yeah I can still keep going you know what I mean and it's like it's just you know you're playing this constant battle with your mind yeah. about to keep going and then you know oh but I'm like I'm done I've had enough but it's like no you, you fucking keep going you know yeah. and like and it is a cool 
thing to experience that and I'm not sh- you know there's there's lots of people in life that won't have yeah. that experience because they probably won't be in a situation where they need to be like so dark and deep into themselves yeah. to, to you know to cool, you know get themselves out of it but I'm glad I've had that experience and I've yeah I, I know what that feels like uh, so you do the dancing for your childhood and then how long off training are you having or are you always staying fit and doing some kind of training or did that like carry through your entire life um, to this point? I pretty much I never stopped like unless you know people say to me all the time well you're always training or you're doing this but it, like for me it's I don't really know any different like from a kid that started walking until where I am today I've never really stopped apart from if I've been sick or injured and to me training doesn't matter what it is whether it's you know cycling swimming doing yoga like it's like my meditation like some people read books or some people you know walk along the beach or walk their dog like my meditation and for my mental health and to keep me in a good place is to do some form of training Mm. and sometimes that's like a lot and it's pretty full on and sometimes it's like okay like we'll just go to the gym or like we'll just you know do a quick cycle or something but like so I've probably finished dancing properly like hardcore dancing when I was maybe like 19 and then I moved to Queensland and it was kind of just like a bit of gym or like go for a run or like I didn't really know. Yeah. Like I sort of didn't have anything where I was like, I really love this, you know, that I had when I was dancing. And then Will, it was Will really, he like said, oh, you know, you should try to do some cycling. And I was like, I'll never be a cyclist. Like that is so lame. Like who yeah, even does yeah, that? Yeah, and yeah. I'll never wear that outfit. Like it's just horrible. And you know, then obviously neck minute, you know, neck minute yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> neck minute, I'm the Australian ambassador for Lib. But like, you know, and it's just like dipping your toes into things. And then it was like, oh, like try swimming. I'm like, I hate swimming. I remember as a kid at school, I hated swimming so much. And then I start, and like now, I friggin' love swimming. Like I absolutely froth swimming. But it's just like introducing in different things. And then you know, he was doing triathlons. He's like, you can try a triathlon. That's sick. And I was like, again, like no way. Like that is the lamest thing. And then you know, you start, and then you want to do more, and you want to get better, and you know, and like that's kind of how it's gone over the. And now, like you know, I mean, Will's still very much involved in triathlon, but in the last couple of years, I've probably done more than what he has just because he's been busy with, you know, with work and stuff like that. And, and now it's like, like, it's my thing. Like I yeah. freaking love it, you know, like it's such a cool sport. Um, so yeah, it's, I don't know, it's kind of just evolved like that. That's so cool. Well, so for me, this is, I think one of the, I guess I can relate to you in this sense of, I kind of see where you're at with it and you take it seriously like mm. you're an athlete yeah you're not getting paid for no. it you're not it's just <laughs> you're paying yeah, to do yeah, it. yeah yeah and yeah. it seems so silly to yeah. some people on the outside so why are you killing yourself to do yeah. this and i started jiu-jitsu five years ago and it was random the most mm-hmm. random thing i've ever done in my life i always did martial arts so when i was a kid from when i was I don't know when I started doing Taekwondo, but I was, I did that from about seven or six to 15 Mm -hmm. and I got pretty good at it, but I never took it seriously. It was just one of those things that that was just a dad said you had to do it. So I just went and did it. And then I, but then I was like super into UFC and watched every boxing and watched every Mm -hmm. year. I always loved martial arts. I just, I never thought I'd do it again. Um, and then we had a friend, his son was real good at jujitsu. Uh, they were in town doing a comp. I went and watched it and he said, you should go do it. So that was on a Sunday. And then the Monday I just went and tried it mm. and that was five years and I've just completely obsessed with yeah. it. And 
it just filled this massive hole that I didn't know was there. And so many Australian kids grow up playing sport. We're such a sporting nation. And we grow up and we, whether it's football or it's school sports or you play basketball Mm. or whatever it is that you did. And then at some point you're 16, 17 and you finish school and you're not, you got no PE class and then you just stop, you get, you get kind of chucked in with the seniors. So it's a pretty hard transition. I mean, for me, I wouldn't even know if I kept playing football, how the fuck do you play football against 30 year old men when, when (laughs) you age out of uh, the the juniors or whatever, but to start jujitsu and to take it really seriously. And I care about it. Like I'm a professional Mm. athlete in a sense. I trained, I only trained Thursday through Friday last week, but I did six gnarly hard sessions. Mm-hmm. So everything I got, my I was fucked. Yeah. By Thursday, I was just dragging my heels at work yeah, yeah. and I'm just cooking myself. Yeah. doesn't make sense. It's yeah, very yeah. stupid yeah. if you yeah, really yeah. look at your life yeah. and you'd probably be able to relate. But there's something so amazing in really challenging yourself Mm -hmm. and when you're not getting paid for it and no one really cares i mean i fucking submit a black belt i tell someone they go i don't give a fuck like that doesn't (laughs) to me i'm like that is so crazy like it's so hard to do that guy's been training 15 years blah 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 so it's like there's this thing that i just take really seriously on it's sort of this completely internal pursuit in Mm. a way because no one really can relate yeah, to it. Yeah, no yeah. one can really, they can't feel what you feel. Yeah. But I just, I love talking about it because I just want to encourage yeah. people. If you're a kid that, if you're a kid and played sport and did kind of what we did growing mm. up and you don't have that as an adult, yeah. you can have the same have thing. It, yeah. Like just go and get it yeah. for yourself. You'll meet some amazing people. You'll create some of my best friends now, the yeah. boys that I train with. And you've got this accountability signing up for the cans yeah, yeah. triathlon is yeah. some crazy accountability yeah. that's gonna that's gonna give you a solid six months yeah. of your life where you motivation yeah. you just don't even have to find it yeah. you've got it's, it it's, yeah exactly. it's there it's on that entry form yeah no i totally agree with you and and um the people that we've met through through our running group and, and through doing triathlons and, and like like again like some of our lifelong friends and you know people say well, why the hell would you get up at four thirty on a wednesday to go running and i'm like because we get up look where we live like yeah. we go to the beach and we run along the beach like for fun like it's and you look out when you and you're having a coffee at the end of it and like we're in this really cool group where it's it's not like a you know you don't have to commit you can come and go as you please and we've got um you know we've got enos and throat surgeons we've got um yeah. pediatricians we've got like you know obstetricians we've got like will the athlete you know we've got grandpop like pop he's literally a pop like yeah. <laughs> like it's we've got these huge variety of people that are all coming together just to enjoy a bit of exercise in this most incredible location on the Gold Coast and like at the end of it we have a coffee and say all right cool have a good day like it's it's freaking awesome and I don't like I tell I'm like you I tell people you know why would I not do that that's amazing I've got this awesome opportunity to get up and go and exercise in a country that is looks like our country like how good is that? It's so friggin' simple. And it's running. Anyone can run. Like, basically, yeah. anyone can run. Like, you don't really need anything. You just go and, and off you go. And, and you know, we've had some of the best experiences, you know, through doing triathlon and through doing these events or whether it be a charity event or, or a cycling event. Like, a few years ago, Will and I, um, we cycled from Townsville to Cairns with a, a charity, charity group raising money for children's cancer. 
and like that was some like that was four days of like seriously the four best days of our lives like we had so so much fun we saw all this beautiful it's a beautiful yeah like beautiful amazing amazing scenic views and like with some really cool people and then at the end of the day you know we've done some really cool things for for kids who are struggling and families who are struggling and like it, I mean, aside from it taking four days out of our life, like yeah. it's, you know, like it's, you can do it, like it's fine. And I think that these experiences that we've been able to have, like have just like enriched our lives so yeah. much through yeah. through doing exercise or through doing something physical, you know? It, oh, I, I completely agree. And, and I think that my, my life's gotten better as a result of it yeah. as well. And it's it's really obvious for me to see um, you know, even having a conversation with Maddie, even Maddie's like, man, fuck, you trained so much like mm. last week. Cause I said something about training six times and there was a public holiday. So I didn't, I, I rode Monday too. Mm-hmm. So essentially I trained all week. Um, but yeah, he's like, oh, it's, a, it's a lot, dude. Like that's a lot of, of work to put in, but I feel like the benefits that I get mm. out of it, it just outweighs or it's to me a complete no-brainer i think that there's the martial arts skill to where i think that there's a certain level of like confidence that you have in your life now Uh, i mean just yeah i think uh, with any person in in any kind of physical altercation if that unless it was someone really really big (laughs) then i'm gonna feel quite Mm. confident to not even have that situation escalate i don't i don't feel yeah because i feel like fear is probably what creates a lot of the problems in those kind of situations so i mean that aside which i think is a super important thing but just completely take that out of it the the discipline Mm. the the friendship that you've got the the way that you can see i mean i don't know if you can relate but there's times where i'll be leaving the office like i basically train every night at six to seven and Mm. then if i do a double at seven to eight so from six o'clock onwards, I'm kind of at training. Mm. So I'll be here in a terrible mood, mm. not feeling like training. I'll be really sore. I'll be over it. And I'll spend probably from 4.30 to 5.30 trying to talk myself out mm. of training. But then I find myself going yeah. home and getting my gear off the line and making my electrolyte drink and packing my towel while I'm still having yeah. this conversation in my head that I, I just pack your bag for tomorrow. You don't have to go tonight. Just you'll be fine and then I'm like alright I'll just pack my bag for tomorrow and then you grab the keys and then you lock the door and then you're in the car yeah. and you can get to this place in your life where you just are doing the right thing it's the right thing to go yeah. and do that session there's the physical benefits there's the mental benefits there's the skill benefits the right decision for me on a daily basis yeah. objectively speaking yeah. is to go to training yeah. and, and do my thing and do it with as little ego as possible Yeah, and then the wrong thing to do is just just to stay home so if you can get to the point where you're autopilot doing the right thing for your life even though your your voice in your head is telling you not to do it that's a really crazy place to be in your life and i really kind of hunt that out nowadays is like am i going when i don't want to go am i doing the right thing for myself even when I actually don't want to do it. And I yeah. think that to me, it's like that is, that's the most valuable thing because I think that then can kind of translate to everything in your life. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I think for us, like particularly for Will and, and myself, like our life and you can relate to this as well is, is pretty hectic, you know, yeah. like it's lots of travel. It's lots of, 
um, pressure. It's like mentally exhausting, yeah. like particularly for Will. You know, you're so entrenched in this life where every single thing you do is judged by yeah. other people and people within your industry. So for us, it's like, you know, we can go to a triathlon event as total rookies and as total yeah, amateurs no one, yeah. and no one's expecting Will to yeah. win or no one's expecting me to, to, to do well. So we can go there and just, you know, enjoy that experience and with some really good people who are all there for the right reasons. Like, I mean, obviously you've got pros there, but like everyone else is just there because they want to have a go at, at, at a sport or, or do something like that. And so for us doing what this outside of our life in racing and, and TV is kind of like a an outlet, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like this space where we can go and we're just the same as everyone else like we're no different we're not you know in the spotlight it's just like we just rock up to training we're exactly the same as everyone else and, and everyone's just kind of got their thing it's like oh are you training for the marathon or you're training for this or you're training yeah. for that or no nah, i'm just here just yeah. having a jog you know yeah and we're all just there because we all just like the experience and, and enjoy being you know active and i think that's another reason why we are you know why we love it so much is because it's just that element of being outside of what we normally do you know? yeah that that makes so much sense as well that it can just be like an escape yeah um where you just be a sort of normal person i yeah. think that's probably one of the things i love about jujitsu as well is that it's such a great equalizer yeah because and i mean even in our academy you can't even wear a, a fancy nice gear you have to wear there's two colors there's yeah. blue or there's white and everyone wears the same mm-hmm. so you you don't even get a chance to be the guy that has the nice bike and the nice (laughs) kit everyone is the exact same there and i think there's even a a benefit in just going there whether you're whether you've got a big podcast whether you're a garbage man whether you're a tv host whether you're whatever you are on the mat it's all equal everyone's the same and uh and i think that a big thing too was i learned a lot about ego through jujitsu and I, i don't know whether it's the same with triathlon but now that I think about it, it, I guess it was just never framed in the motocross sense. But I mean, my ego gets tested on the bike a lot because mm, <laughs> yeah. I fucking suck <laughs> and I really wish I was good. But there's a there's a real gnarly ego element of of doing a martial art, and there's a big focus on it, and you mm-hmm. really learn about your ego in that sense. And mm-hmm. I, I think that with doing a triathlon or the the distance stuff, the ego does come into play, but it's in that sense of wanting to quit. Yeah. Whereas I think with the jujitsu stuff, it's a lot of it's just showing up mm-hmm. because for me, I can go, I'll go to class tonight. I don't know who's going to be there. Yeah. There's going to be some dudes that can fuck me up and it's really uncomfortable yeah. to be that, like have that little control yeah. over something and just know, okay, when I'm with that guy, yeah. I get ragdolled yeah. and then you've got to, he might be a garbage man. He might yeah. be a fireman. He might be a whatever. And all that's kind of taken yeah. out of it. And you've got to be humble enough yeah. to shake that dude's hand at the start of five minutes and just know for five minutes you're just going to yeah. get thrown around <laughs> like, a, like a kitten. Yeah. And I think that there's there's a, a massive value in that. And I, I, I feel like triathlons would be the same. You've, you're so vulnerable. I mean, yeah. you've got sweat everywhere. and You've got this pain that you're going yeah. through. And there's like a... Uh, it's not a pretty sport no no (laughs) and you just get dragged you're dragging yourself through hell and like you said you're just stuck with that voice inside your head and i think that's like um what i've learned like i was saying before is just you know being able to get through those get through that and you know you look around when you're on a, a triathlon course and triathlon in particular like 
you see lots of different shapes and sizes and young and old and, and people you go, you know, no disrespect, like, You're okay, doing they're, they're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, get your shit together. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keep going type thing. And um, But that's like that's what I've learned the most from, from doing it is just like that you can get yourself to a place where like it's rough, like it's really yeah. rough, but somehow like you can keep going, like you literally can keep going. And um, I suppose that's probably what's got me through like, you know, some of the events that I've done, like, and maybe I shouldn't have done them. I don't know. Like I ended up injured or sick or whatever, but I've got this thing in my head that's like, you know, you can, you can actually keep going and you can do this. And yeah. do you think that that then helps you in your just day to day life? Are you leaning on that experience and how often are you leaning on that experience? Yeah, I think for sure. I think, I think every day in, in a small way, like you learn how, how strong you know you can be and and I suppose focus more on like when I did Ironman and and then even when I did the SAS show like um you have no not you have no understanding of what you can do until you're placed in that yeah. in that space and you know, I came out of both of those experiences and was like I actually cannot believe like even now people say oh my god you did so well on SAS I'm like I actually cannot believe I yeah, did that like I that? honestly <laughs> was like was that somebody else because I I I didn't think going into it, I'd be able to do some of the things I did. And and now I, in my normal, you know, like in everyday life, you're like, you know, you've got to give yourself more credit. Like, you know, you are very capable of doing lots of different things and, you know, and things you've done are like stuff that people would just absolutely never do in their, in their lifetime. So I, I need to now remind myself just like, you know, you've, you've done some cool shit. Like, you know, be proud back of what yourself. you've done. Yeah, back yeah. yourself and be proud of what you've done. Yeah, the... Uh the, the signing up for a triathlon would be a hectic feeling of because I know whenever I sign up for a, a jiu-jitsu tournament I get like nerves yeah. it's a it's a quite an anxious feeling because once you're in you're in yeah, yeah. And I, I'm I don't back out of shit like that yeah. and yeah, that that net whatever time that it is I actually always sign up the last minute for a, any of those competitions because I just hate living with that yeah, yeah. Know, it's like a shadow yeah. that you live with that that's yeah. right there all yeah. the time. You go, but I've it got gives, this like, It gives accountability, or, yeah. um, and it gives you a reason to to show up when you when you feel like shit. And and particularly for when I signed on for Ironman, I'd been in a really dark place in my life. Like my dad had passed away, and and I'd lost my job, and and Will had lost his job, and and there was a period through the end of um, 2020 where I was not in a good place, and and I needed a reason to to basically get up and get out of bed and I was like look I'm just gonna this is gonna be my reason like because I could continue spiraling really badly or I could say I'm committing to this and I'm gonna get up every day from now on in and and train and, and have something to work towards so in a sense it was like a real like it was necessary for me yeah. and and that was in the back of my mind like every day like I trained seven days a week for basically six or seven months so that's how long it was from for when training, you signed up yeah. to when you yeah. yeah and um and you know when I'm say training I'm like it, most days were t twice a day and like towards you know the last couple of months like you know I'd be doing six seven hour rides on a weekend like then doing a you know 15 20k run or whatever and like it's they're big they're big sessions you that's know, they're legitimate not <laughs> professional athlete yeah territory. yeah so like those that last month is is just like hardcore like it's you know i can't even imagine i thinking the other day it came up as a a memory saying like in a month's time i was about to an iron man which is now so i'm like in a month's time i did an iron man last year and i just cannot get my head around the training that i had to do but it was like 
for me it was more than the iron man it was so much more like mentally having to like yeah lift myself up and get myself out of that place and and have a reason to to get up every day and then that reason became you know like this this iron man which was you know this pretty big beast that yeah you know that it was but it was all for like a a deeper meaning type thing yeah and i think that you have to for it to work the way that I, you're describing it, it has to be something gnarly. Yeah. It has to be fairly far out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, they probably don't want to go as far out as out of their comfort zone as what it kind of takes to change when you're in a place yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. And, and um, you know, like it, there were days and, you know, you just don't want to do it. Like you just, I just had the shits and I'm like, I just do not want to, I don't, <laughs> don't want to be doing this. But then the big, you know, the bigger picture is, is there. And, you know, even on the day of, of the actual race, like I had written on my hand, like a message about my dad. And, and there were times throughout the race when I was just feeling like I'm done, like I couldn't possibly go a step further. And, you know, you look, and it sounds really like, cringy but like you know you look at that message and it just gives you that drive to like keep going and and an Ironman race is like a really emotional race like for for lots of people like you stand at the finish line and there's people bawling their eyes out because maybe it was a a Mm. dream over 10 years and they've finally been able to do it or like they've had significant trauma in their life or you know like big weight loss journey or like you know there's so many different reasons why people are doing an Ironman and that feeling of crossing the line and they say you know rihanna korean you are an iron man like it's that's like sick. it's just this flood of emotions and like it's it's such an incredible atmosphere like it really like i encourage anyone if they can get to to watch and witness like people completing a, a race like that because it's it's just so hard to like actually describe what it's like yeah i mean i i, I can't even imagine it was that the was that probably the lowest that you've ever been in your life like losing your dad and yeah. then losing the supercars role we're going through COVID as well yeah 100 percent. like that year and look it's because your dad would have been young eh yeah he would have been 60 this year it's his six so would have been his 60th dad, birthday yeah. this year in june and like that year in 2020 like i know so many people had a tough year so i i always like struggle to put it in the right words but for me in your experience in my yeah. like it was fucked like i you know i, I lost like will will lost his drive because the team shut down and then i was basically stood aside because you know covid and, and restrictions and all that sort of stuff and then and then dad died um in the july and 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 i was here and there in perth obviously and and, and there. there was oh. the challenges of of um you know quarantine and and no flights to perth there was literally wasn't any flights to perth the weekend that he died and being told like being when you're in the worst moment of your life and then being told you can't fly you know interstate it's like it's the rage inside of you is indescribable and i have so much empathy for other people who went through that situation and it was all over the news at the time but you know and then like thankfully you know i was able to get to perth and um so did you have to do two-week quarantine well we we did home quarantine so we were very very lucky um and and i was really lucky because i i don't know how i got hold of this person that worked in the government um and you know we we ended up getting on a flight and, and dad was in icu and and it was you know it was not you know we knew that we knew that the outcome was going to be and um you know that i was on the flight and um, my sister, she got Wi-Fi on the flight, and she called me and basically said he's, you know, he's not going to make it. And so I sort of said my goodbyes on a fucking, you know, Qantas flight. That's so gnarly. 
and um and that that in itself was probably one of the like the worst moments of my life and then we landed and and I got the message to say no he was still you know sort of still there so this lady I don't I don't even know how it all worked I honestly don't I feel like that whole experience was just like a blur but I they allowed me to go to the hospital and go through like a back door and he was obviously in ICU and and thankfully the doctor said look I'm just going to pretend you're not here and he shut the curtains and, and allowed me and my mum and brother and sister all to basically say goodbye and, and that's when and, and I had about 10 minutes before my dad died and so I was I count myself lucky because I got that yeah. goodbye and I know so many people were in a similar experience but I didn't get that and then um, from there we had to do a home quarantine for two weeks which was was rough because you know like we've just had this really traumatic experience and then then you're stuck in a house but I mean and lucky I was with my mum but it's it was still yeah, it's still, still just yuck it was all pretty horrible and um and then obviously we didn't want to have the funeral straight away because we wanted to be able to be out of quarantine so it was it was just lots there was just so many elements of of things that were going against us at the time and and just made things harder really yeah. and um, and then even just after when I, you know, I stayed in Perth for, I think I was there for five weeks in the end. Um, and then, but even once I left, you know, the borders were shut. So I knew that I wasn't going to be able to get back. And like, mm. just that in itself was like torture because my family were, were really, really struggling. My, my mom, brother and sister were all in a really, really bad place. And just being told you can't go and see them is mm. like, I don't know. I still struggle to wrap my head around how that all happened um, mm. then. So it was just it was just a really really hard time and and I went through a lot of guilt with I shouldn't feel as sad as my mum and brother and sister because I was not actually there. Mm. You know yeah, they were there like they they were sense. there on the night that you know it all ultimately happened but I was in Queensland so therefore I shouldn't be mm. it shouldn't be as affected like I sort of struggled with things like this and um and I had to I felt like I had to really keep strong because my brother in particular had was he um, went through a really bad time, so it was kind of like, you know, hold your shit together because For other people, other people yeah. are, are struggling more, and, and you don't deserve to be as upset as them because you know yeah. it was worse for them type thing, yeah. and yeah, and and you know, long answer to your question, but yeah, that that sort of few months at the end of that year was like a hundred percent like the darkest time I've ever had in my life, and and really was the first time where I've just didn't didn't want to do anything had no purpose like could easily lie in bed all day and have no reason to get up because it was just like there like everything's just turned to shit like yeah. no job will's will's career my dad like it was just everything was just fucking going sideways and so you just you yeah i was in a place where i was like well what like what the hell is it you know like i've got nothing you know i had good things but i you know in my head i yeah, had nothing yeah. and and the iron man training like it literally saved me and i know that's a big call but it really did like it really did save me because it gave me purpose and it gave me structure in my day and it gave me something to work towards and and probably a a lot of good time in your own head to process the emotions to to be on the cycle bike for that long or running and you kind of because you're kind of going through pain yeah just by being on a bike for six six to eight hours Mm -hmm. you're going through pain so you you're already in a familiar place of pain and then yeah, you've got the yeah. pain of dealing with everything that you've kind of got to deal with. They probably went together quite well. Yeah, and and I think at the time you don't, because you're in it and you're living it, so it's hard to realise what's going on. But then, like, yeah, looking back now, I'm like, 
that yeah exactly what you said you know I had those hours and hours and hours where it was just me and, and my head and and going through things and and pushing myself to a place and like maybe sometimes a bad place like pushing mm, myself so I didn't have far. to yeah so yeah. I didn't have to think about other things um but you know that whole thing was just a big journey of like getting through really shit times and, and trying to navigate this new life that I had and and my family had and what that now looks like and you know and then I to be honest probably didn't give myself really the time to process it properly until like going on SAS and I know that sounds lame but you're in it you're in an experience where you're getting stripped to nothing like your your bare emotions are getting exposed and then you're you're getting asked to basically question those emotions and those feelings and what you've done and those choices you've made and I don't think you don't ever really do that you don't sit down and go all right I'm gonna like question every single thing that's just happened and and yeah why did it happen and all that sort of stuff and that was a real like process for me of like actually allowing myself to to get upset and allowing myself to sort of feel yeah feel that, the things yeah that, feel. that I needed to 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 sort of and I, I don't think I think in grief I don't know people say like it gets easier as time goes on I don't know if it does I think that the moments you can navigate better like for me yeah, I don't yeah. think it's necessarily gotten easier I just feel like I'm in a better place to handle you got more tools in yeah the toolbox, to, to handle those those you know times where you know I just want to have a cry or whatever the losing your job thing must have been pretty gnarly too um because anyone losing their job is gnarly but i suppose at the level of it being fairly public and then uh obviously every decision that gets made in supercars or whatever Mm. is going to come with people then judging that decision Mm. commenting on that decision um and then for the work that you put in to get there it's probably the kind of when that happened it was probably something that you didn't feel you could get back because you don't really see many people mm. work and then they lose that position yeah. and then get, get it, it back. back yeah yeah and it was like it was a real kick in the guts I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie like I I was I was devastated but at the same time I was realistic enough to say like I've had you know I feel like I've had a good stint you know like I've really given yeah. I've given it yeah. my all like I, I don't think there's much more I could have done um, and if they've if people are making that decision that's you know they've got their reasons for making that decision but it was just like um, it felt like at the time and I probably would have dealt with it better if it was say this year but at the time mm, I was just in such a yeah in such yeah. a vulnerable place I was just like just you know I couldn't get my head around like everything that was going on and and you know I was just sad because I I loved the job and I loved the people and I was really sad to to have to you know step away and but at the same sense like I had like the overwhelming fan response on on my socials and and on like forums and stuff in a positive sense was like hard to put into words like it really was and the people that sent me you know incredible messages and of support um, was like I suppose when you're in it and you're probably the same like people don't always say nice things like if people mm. are going to say stuff they normally say like shit things so you don't really hear that sort of stuff all the time and then all of a sudden to hear it you're like oh okay wow people actually did like what I did you know like people thought that I was good at what I did and um, but so that was a like a nice part of what was a kind of shitty time and then to it's a pretty cool story really when you look at it now the, to have everything that you had go on Mm -hmm. then you end up getting your job back and then to complete the triathlon Mm. the way that you did i mean 
it's a it's a pretty crazy story of kind of like losing everything and then but getting a lot back yeah the back side of it yeah and like it was I suppose at the time it was hard to feel sorry for myself and and Will was the same like he and I had the same feeling like you don't want to feel sorry for yourself because so many people were in a worse off experience Mm. than us but it's all still relative to your life and and you know he lost his drive which was like absolutely devastating because we thought that maybe that was it he was never going to get an opportunity to drive ever again and and then for me to lose my job and like yeah like we still had a house and we were healthy but it still hurts like it doesn't take the hurt away anymore and you know you sort of we said to each other like we don't want people to feel sorry for us like we're okay but it doesn't mean that we're not sad about what's happened you know for for our both of our professional careers um but yeah we i mean and then you go okay the world works in fucked up ways like here we are now in 2022 and he's in a team where you know like it's strength to strength and like i'm back working in a job that i love and you know he's just won a race and we're like man think about where we were two years ago like we were both pretty fucked like you know like we were both really sad and our life was really shit like and now two years later like we've we're in a place where like look look it's it's so good like I'm so grateful that we've been able to get back to this this place and you know like it certainly don't take any of it for granted yeah can you enjoy it more now in a sense because you know what it's like to have it completely ripped away yeah, I think so. I think you more... Not like you would have taken it for granted before, no, but... I think you're just more aware. And, like, particularly for him, like, you're more aware of, you know, no one's invincible and, no you know... Safe, yeah, yeah, and no one's safe and, and things can happen like like what happened with him. It was totally out of his control. It was absolutely nothing to do with him. It was just, you know, circumstantial. And, um, yeah, I suppose you get so caught up in, in everything that, you know, it is, like, important to go, okay, well, like, this is, like think of the two years that we've just had and and we've had the highest of highs like we got married you know then the next thing in our life was dad dying like it was just like we had this crazy roller coaster of good things and bad things happen and then now we're in a place where like you know you know it's 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 an it's a nice place to be and then I think too whenever you do go through the hardest time in your life it automatically kind of makes the next thing not as hard to deal with yeah because you've got that experience to draw from and then I think that kind of goes back to the sport thing like just training every day when you're doing well for me jiu-jitsu at night is the hardest thing I have to do in a day Mm. there's no there's at no point in the day is my heart rate that high am I working that hard am I holding on to something that you know that's the hardest thing and I think that when you've got something that's so hard to get through on a daily basis it kind of makes everything else Mm. a little bit easier and then from a more zoomed out perspective when you've got this event in your life that feels like rock bottom Mm. it just sort of makes the other things the other challenges yeah coming at you in the future a lot easier to deal with because you've got this reference point of like oh well this is how low this was and i mean losing a parent is about as low as it gets you go, I grew from this. Yeah. Positives did come out of it. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, I bet crossing that 
that Ironman finish line was was it one of those emotional experiences? Yeah, oh, t- massively. And I was like bawling my eyes out, and and I made Will um, go and find because my dad used to drink VB, so <laughs> I made Will go and find a VB, and I, got, I honestly have no idea where he found it from. But he, as I crossed the line and and like I sculled a VB because it was like you know that's like that was for dad. And yeah, like I was just so, it was, it was so many mixed emotions of like, you know, relief, like elation, like sadness and, and, and everything else. And, and I'll, I think I'll always have those moments, like even on the weekend when Will won, you know, it's like, God, I wish, you know, I wish dad could have seen this or like, you know, when, what for SAS, it's like, oh my God, like dad, if he, he could have, been like, yeah, he would have been yeah. watching every episode and been telling his mates, you know, like to make sure they watch it. And I think that will happen my whole entire life. Yeah. Um, but I definitely think as a person, I've I've learned so much. Like I'm, I mean, firstly, our family is like closer than it ever was before. I, I feel like I have so much more appreciation for for experiences life. and yeah. life yeah. and and you know like little things like and it's like taking photos of of even if it's just a family dinner, like take a photo like because you just learn that you know as we did, um, you know like like that and mm. it's just, that's it's your whole life change in in literally you know seconds and 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 you, that I've taken so much from that in in what I now and how I live my life now and that was one of the other things it's like I cannot say no like if you mm. ask me to do something I'm doing it I'll work out how to do it later but like yeah. I'm, I'm doing it because that's one thing I have learned like it's just like shit could turn pear shape so quickly and like you just gotta you gotta do the things and experience it and you like live live life hard while you can yeah it's I was thinking about this I don't know what made me think about it but I was thinking about it the other day that we're we're oddly disconnected from death mm. on a day-to-day experience for, for especially in the western culture like in let's just say Australia but we, I think that you're right. There's so much knowledge in death and there's so much wisdom mm. that you can find on how to live in death itself. Mm. And if death is, is, it sounds morbid and weird, but if it's at the forefront of your mind that you will die yeah. and it will stop and your experiences will stop and your interactions with the people that you love will stop. Mm. And there is that point for everybody because we're so like even i think maybe it was my my grandma she passed away a few years ago and i think it was her anniversary recently and it's weird because you go to the hospital and then they they die and they're they're not there anymore it's real obvious for you to see that Mm. they're they're gone and then that's all you see of it Mm. that's it and then they go on a truck and then they go to the 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 morgue and then they get put in a coffin and they're like then you have the funeral and the box is closed and like the the experience that you have with death is feels very distant even when it's like right there Mm. um in your life and it i think it really fucks people up in a massive way because you're oblivious to it there's no contact with it in your daily life and then you'll have a parent or you'll have a grandparent or someone will die and it's this like sudden event and then it happens and then you've got no connection to it anymore. Yeah. And then you've just got your emotions to yeah. kind of like deal with. And but if you think back in, go back a few hundred years ago, if your grandparent dies or one of your parents dies or your kid dies, you've got to deal with it. Yeah. And it's really, you've got to like bury the person you've got. It's a, it's a much more like real experience, if that makes sense. Mm. And I think that in our society nowadays, so many people... Uh, we're we're all just so disconnected from it and it can 
it almost makes it so much harder to deal with when it happens. Yeah. And then you almost live a weird life where you don't ever think that you're going to die or someone that you love is going to die. But like you said, it's really profound when you experience it and it can actually change the way you live. Yeah. And and I don't even necessarily think it's like you have to lose a, a person that's close to you. Like it, it might be just a traumatic event or like an experience where you re, it almost like s- stops you in your, in your tracks mm. and it's like, okay, I need to take things in a different direction or I need to handle situations better or and you know and and I I'm not one that I don't I don't like to have regrets and I I think because I think that each experience has value value for how you continue to live your life and you know there's things that I go oh god why did I do that but I don't feel like I regret it because I feel like you need everything to make you yeah to make you to who you are and and then obviously going forward but it's certainly um it's certainly something, yeah, in this last couple of years where I, I, I genuinely know that I've changed as a person yeah, and I look yeah. at things differently. And I always was someone who was pretty, like, fearless. Like, I just would do things without thinking about consequences and, and I've kind of lived my life like that forever. But now even more so, it's kind of like, well, what what are you afraid of or what are you scared of? Or, like, are you afraid you're going to fail or are you afraid you're mm. going to look like an idiot? Or, like, are you afraid you're not going to, like, you're not going to, get to the end like you know with an Ironman or something like that like what is the worst thing that could possibly happen apart Mm. from the fact that you get an experience from that whatever it may be and that might be that looks different to everyone you know that might be doing a marathon that could be doing a jiu-jitsu competition Mm. it might be writing a book or it might be like starting a YouTube channel like whatever Mm. it may be like it's different for everyone but being in a place where you're like not afraid to like have an experience that's going to you know you're going to learn something from yeah yeah i think uh there's a there's a good saying in jiu-jitsu you either win or you learn yeah and i think that that's a kind of a way to to frame what you're saying is that yeah, yeah you are at the end of the day you're going to have a, a experience that's going to kind of push you forward yeah um in some sense whether it might be classically negative mm. or classically positive that still is i guess like net positive at the end yeah. of the day yeah correct and like i think um like the DS on SAS, that was a lot of what they spoke about. Like nothing was a failure. Like even though from a TV sort of show, it looked like you either pass or you fail, but it wasn't like to get to the end of the show, it wasn't about passing every single thing perfectly. It was like how you handled each experience and what you brought to the next experience from that you know, mm. previous like challenge or whatever. Um, it wasn't a sense of like, oh, okay, in order to get to the end of the show, you have to pass with, you know, 100% in every single challenge and then you'll get to the end and then you'll be a winner. Like it wasn't, that's not how the show sort of built. Mm. And that was a lot that we focused on in that situation was like, okay, well, I've totally fucked that up, but, you know, what did I learn in that experience yeah. that I'm now going to take to the next challenge? How was that whole experience? How did it come about? Um, just like my manager called me and said, like, I've got this show, you know, what, how do you feel about it? And, and straight away, I was like, yep, I'm in. And then a bit later, he's like, okay, yep, you're in. Like, you know, you've got a spot. And I told Will and Will was just like, what the hell? Like, that is the stupidest thing ever. But, um, yeah, I mean, for me, it was one of the best things I've ever done in my life. Really? Like, and I have absolutely zero regrets on going on the show, and it, and it was the hardest thing I've ever 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 done, and so probably ever than will. Triathlon? Yeah, like yeah, hundred times wow. harder because it's like you're doing these challenges which are so far out of your comfort zone. You know, like I don't see why you would do them ever in life. Like you're yeah, never going to yeah, be doing yeah. half of the shit we we did. Yeah. But it's all the other things like 
you basically would sleep three or four hours a night. You were eating like very, very minimal food. Um, you know, you had no creature comforts. Like, you know, your bed's not necessarily comfy and like you, you get no hot water, like you don't have a shower. Like, you know, you, you go into the toilet and people can see you going to the toilet and it's just a hole in the ground. And, um, you know, you've got one pair of clothes that you wear for two weeks and the only way to dry clothes if they're wet is like standing in front of a fire to dry them. And, and so it's all that stuff that makes it so difficult and so challenging because if you just did the challenges, like jump out of a helicopter, oh yeah, that's, you know, that's cool. Or like do this, oh yeah, that's cool. It's kind of hard, but it's cool. But it's like you're doing that on no, no sleep. sleep, no food, yeah. like mentally just getting Over like, it. yeah, smashed. You and Yeah, you see, and like just none of those, like even just little things like um, deodorant or like a Band-Aid or like just all that Panadol, you know, like, I mean, how, you know, if you've got a headache, you go grab a Panadol. Like we had headaches, like, like it's too bad, like drink more water, you know, like that's kind of the <laughs> attitude that they, that we had. So that's why it's so hard. So what's the format of it? Because like I said, I don't have a TV. <laughs> it's probably the one reality show that I would watch though, because it seems like it's quite real. Yeah, it is as real as you can possibly get. Like, I mean... There's obviously stuff that they're setting up for TV and then it's produced and um, Well, it's no... The, once the show starts, it starts and there's no stopping until the last day. So there's no interruption by a producer or a director or anything like that. You don't reshoot anything. Um, when you're in camp, the cameras are basically all like hidden in the walls and on sensors. So you don't feel like you're getting filmed, you know, like that's... And then when we're out on location, there was probably three cameramen um, on location with us, but you know there's no interaction with the crew at all like you couldn't speak to them they couldn't speak to you so it was as real the experience was as real as you possibly can get and um you know if you if we wanted to see a doctor um you had to ask permission and they would decide whether you needed a doctor or not like I broke my finger and and my finger was like massive and black and I said you know can I see him and he's like well what do you want us to do put some tape on it like get back out there so you know that's it's pretty hardcore in that sense so how does it work you get there and then you're just going through like SAS training in the way that uh, anyone would like is that the premise of the show yeah I mean it's like loosely based around how you have like how you are in SAS selection so you know we arrive and they have these things called beastings which are basically like a workout that goes for probably 40 to 50 minutes of like you know squats or like leopard crawls or like you know carrying like sandbags and things like that so they just they drop them in at any time and then on camp they can basically come in at any time to take us out to to do a challenge and we basically would do like so lights would come on in camp um at uh 6 a.m for memory and it was a, like there was no um, light in the camp. Like it was like a dark room like this. And it was just obviously lights. And then they'd go out at night at maybe um, 11 o'clock p- at night. And then at any time throughout the night, the DS would come charging in and like take us out to do a challenge or a beasting. Um, but basically a day would be lights come on, you get dressed, have breakfast. And then they you'd go out on a challenge and that would take a couple of hours and you come back, have a little bit of lunch, then another challenge, come back, have dinner and then either go to bed or be like up throughout the night doing various different things. So, but you never knew what was coming and you had no idea of the schedule. Like, 
So your brain is constantly thinking any minute now. Anxiety mode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Any minute now they're going to charge through the door. Any minute now we're going to have to do a challenge or sitting in a car and they black out the windows in the car so you never knew where you were going. And we could be sitting in the car for five minutes or four hours and you never know. And so you, if you're sitting in the car for four hours, like the whole time you're like, are we stopping yet? Are we stopping yet? Are you, like, do you reckon it's now or do you reckon we're close? And, you know, that mental like anxiety is just like burning energy the whole time. Then that's basically 14 days of just feeling like any minute now someone's going to fuck us up. <laughs> <laughs> that's so gnarly. Did you find yourself getting better at it as the weeks, yeah. the two weeks and went on? like you really have to surrender to the course yeah. and surrender to the process and the people that got really mentally um, distraught were the ones that couldn't let, let go. that go you know and and that was quite interesting in itself because a lot of them a lot of the other contestants were like former athletes and professional athletes and so for them it's really an unknown they used yeah, to being in control yeah and it's a, such an unknown process to have someone like ha- be surprised as to when you're gonna have to perform type thing so um that's quite an interesting thing just to see how people deal with just that side of it and like you know after a couple of days i'm like look i'm st- i can't be bothered trying to work out what's going on just you just got to let yourself go and what will be will be and you're either going to get through it or you're not going to get through it and that's just how it is you know and yeah. the people that could get to that headspace quicker were the people that did better yeah, okay. in the end so you could see that you yeah 100 yeah definitely yeah and and some people even right to the like the last couple of days still couldn't let that go um, which is just like so draining, like mentally draining and, and draining for everyone because the conversations in camp would be like, what do you think is going to happen next? Uh, or like, okay, do you think we haven't done this yet? So that surely it has to be that. And then it's just like, stop talking, just stop, yeah. like stop trying to work out what's going to happen. You know, just let it happen. Did you surprise yourself through it? Oh yeah, massively. Yeah. Like, I mean, I went in thinking I'll, if I could get like the first week done, I would be really happy with that. And and that's kind of the only place I like. I didn't really think anything further than that. I just was like, okay, let's just get through week one, and then you should, you know, you'll be proud and you'll be happy, and you've t- you know sort of ticked that box. And then you know, day after day, it was like, okay, I'm still here. I still sort of feel like I'm okay, and I'm still getting through okay. Like I'm sort of sitting okay within the rest of the group, and and then you, I got to a point where I'm like, well, you can't quit now. Like yeah. you know. At first, you're kind of like, oh, my God, we've got so long to go. And then you kind of get over that hump and then like, well, nah, you can't quit. Like, Didn't come this far. Yeah, like, this far. exactly. So, and then that becomes your thing that you're hanging on to is like, yeah. well, you've got this far, like, you can't quit now. And, um, and yeah, like, every day I was just, I expected to be, because you can either voluntary withdraw, which is you leaving, or the staff can get rid of you because they feel like you're not yeah. keeping up or whatever. So, I mean, every day I was just like, well, they haven't got rid of me yet, you know, and and in my head I got to a point where I was like, well, I'm not quitting. Like, there's just no way I'm quitting. Like, they'll have to get rid of me. Um, and I suppose that's what carried me through. That's so sick. It must yeah. have been a pretty crazy, cool experience to, to go through. Yeah, and, like, it wasn't – I mean, obviously the, what we got to do was cool, but, like, I just loved – like, you're in this such a weird situation where you're in a room of 17, you know, adults who have – come from all different walks of life and been through so many cool things in their life like we had jeff hugel we had wayne carey like barry hall philip Pusis was in there wasn't he no he was on oh, a was previous a one season. yeah um darius boyd like That's we had right, yeah we had so many people who were like 
top of their game like particularly athletes you know and and to be in that environment and see how they work and see how they handle pressure and and then I sort of sat back I'm like well obviously that's why he's got gold medals or like obviously that's why he was the captain of you know the Broncos and like you kind of you know you sort of really understand why these people have had so much success in their life because of the way they were you know having the experience and the what they knew and their knowledge and what they were putting to to the camp and stuff like that yeah it's so cool so it was literally a room that you stayed in like a big yeah like a like a i don't even know what the building was i'm assuming it was like a rundown i don't know warehouse or something in the middle of like a wollongong way um that was basically just yeah like a shit ape really like, and so what you just slept on camp stretcher camp, type deal. yeah camp stretches um and we just had a fireplace obviously to keep us warm and but like so that, did you have to maintain the fire yeah, yeah, yourself yep. do all your own fire yeah wood, yeah, the yeah. Whole so, deal. so we had to cut our firewood had to maintain the fires and that was all part of the camp was like you can never let the fire go out you've got to maintain that mm. um all throughout all day all night you know like even like in the middle of the night you'd have to like someone like you open your eye and you'd be like oh the fires have gone out like get up in the middle of the night and start you know doing a fire and yeah so it's pretty like rugged and raw what so what did you do to prepare for it um you're already doing the triathlon well, stuff, I, so yeah, physically I had, you probably i had right. that kind of like cardio fitness which i knew i'd be okay with but it was a more um you're not really making fires daily though no <laughs> no but um I, I got a, a strongman coach up in Brisbane and he basically like I two two sessions a week with him for probably five weeks and all is that we, how much notice you had that you were doing yeah it? I think I had six or six, yeah six weeks I reckon I had notice um and he basically was like you just need to lift shit like just lift heavy awkward weird stuff and basically that's what we did for an hour twice a week was just lifting like and I got up to like 60 70 kilo sandbags and holding like stuff out in front of you like that and like farmers carries and like flipping tires and just stuff that I mean I wouldn't normally do that in training but it's like stuff that I knew that we need fairly to, functional yeah need to get and then running with a pack so um basically from the minute I got told I was going to be in the show I got a like an army pack and put like built up to it I didn't go straight to the 20 kilos but like built up and then would just go walking and running through like the forest and around the you know around the house like every day for six weeks I wore a weight vest around the house that's sick just to like get used to like having that that pack on you and because that's really the the thing that you do all like all you ever do is run with your pack and it's 20 kilos so So that in the show you have to do that as well yeah so I knew that um you just needed to get comfortable with having that extra weight on and and that awkwardness when you're running and yeah so I tried to think about things that we may do um grip strength was another thing like so just hanging off like a bar um for as long as I could like monkey bars um yeah, like I literally would go to the park and there'd be kids playing and I'm like, can I just use the monkey bars for a second? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, that was the kind of stuff that I practiced. But in terms of all that other stuff, like set, like lighting fires and learning bits and pieces, like that's you kind of we kind of just all worked it out in camp and the people who were the best at it kind of did it, if you know what I mean. So Yeah. Could you see leadership emerging and people yeah. that had the good leadership? Was it uh, – I'm sure psychologically it was very interesting to see how people's minds worked in that situation. Yeah, definitely. And and lots of, like, the first couple of days is obviously a real 
Feeling out process. Feeling, sort of. Yeah, feeling out process. And plus, like, the people with the really strong personalities or the really confident personalities were the ones that, you know, are sort of the the, the alpha person personality types. And I went in, like, not like that at all. Like, I was very intimidated. I was like, you know, no one's going to even know who I am. And so I'm certainly not going to, like, upset the apple cart at all in the first couple of days. Um, but, yeah, it was like straight away you had these particular types of people who – sort of you know went to the front and and led through voice as well as you know through like what they did um but were they, then were they the people that were consistently the leaders or did, well, were those people the ones that first to kind of go i think yeah there was a bit of both and then as the sort of days go on you sort of work out like like darius for example like certainly not a vocal leader like but leader in his presence and in what he did in the camp and like even if there was a tense situation like he was a very quiet voice, but it was a voice that was like you'd listen to, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah. And um, so he was very much a different c- kind of person, like from a le- leader point of view, because yeah. he was much quieter and probably less obvious. But what he said was like you'd listen to it type thing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was it was interesting to see how the different personalities like evolve as as the days go on and and then the more tired you get the more hungry you get the more annoyed you get the more upset you get like then again like it's personalities like who can handle that kind of pressure you know and who just like it just blows up it'd be pretty cool to to i guess see how you responded to that yeah as well because there'd be a fair bit of learning that you do about yourself and then to i guess yeah see who if the person that's making the most noise can also back it up with actions yeah, yeah, and who's yeah. doing what and it would be very interesting to watch it play out yeah it was it was interesting for me because like as I said I went in pretty quiet and which is quite normal for me like if I'm in an environment where I don't really know the people or the situation I'm, I'm quite quiet but then if I'm comfortable like I'm then the loud person um and I think that's really how it played out for me on the show was like the first few episodes, like you didn't even really see me, but I was kind of just like working away in the background. And and then as I got more confidence for myself at the fact that I felt like I deserved to be there. there. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, you, you grow more confidence within the group. So then, and you sort of saw that evolve. And then like halfway through the show, I had a huge blow up with one of the other um, recruits. And it was kind of funny because everyone was like, whoa, where did that come from? But, <laughs> but for me, what it was, was that over? What, what, um, what happened there? He was, so one of the other recruits who, Paul Fennick, who um, you might know, he does like fat pizza, like, you know, yeah, that TV show, yeah, fat yeah, pizza. Yeah, 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 Paulie. Yeah, yeah Paulie. Yeah. So um, he was sort of doing things that were kind of sabotaging our group, which led to us getting like punished. So we would have to do more work. Yeah. And one, like it kind of just got to a point where I'd had enough and I, like we just got smashed and, and he'd done something and I just blew up at him and, and um, we had a fairly like heated exchange, which was pretty funny. But um, but it was, yeah, it was like me as a person as well, like growing in myself and growing in confidence and like feeling like I deserved to be mm. there and was like like when I went in, I, I really didn't think I deserved to be there. I was like, I'm not a celebrity. I'm not a famous athlete. You know, why am I here? But then you sort of, yeah, that as that sort of came to me as I was going on. Yeah, that that would have been a, a cool thing to to go through just mm. that that whole learning process. Yeah. What was the hardest physical challenge that you cuz you got hurt, didn't you? Yeah. Or did you get hurt before you went on the show or um, something happened? No, I got hurt. Yeah, no, in the show like I well, I didn't know at the time, but um when I finished the show and I, I 
thought I had a really sore back and uh, it was like wasn't healing. So I went and got a scan and I had five cracked ribs. So <laughs> I was like, well, that's why my back hurts. Um, and I broke my finger. Um, so yeah, I got pretty smashed on the show in terms of the hardest thing. Um, towards the end, so it was like the second last day, um, we had to basically go through a swamp tethered to each other so like we had a rope between us and there was five of us left and the person that fell basically they'd they'd be out they'd be that would be their last chance so you had to run through like knee deep swamp land for I think we were running for an hour holding a 20 kilo package that we had to get to a certain sort of drop point and running itself is hard like it's hard running in a swamp (laughs) like that's really hard but then the fact that you were tethered to everyone else and you had the pressure of not being able to like you couldn't fall or like drop behind because that was it you were gone um and that was that was probably the closest I came to like thinking I'm done like I actually don't think I can do it anymore because it was just so physically like we were vomiting at the end like it was yeah it was just so physically at the end of like yeah pushing my body to the you know as far as it could possibly go yeah it's crazy crazy experience yeah. it's super intriguing to, yeah. to go through that and to know that it's gonna be be public i remember yeah. seeing some images come from maybe like you post them and it's like you got snot coming yeah, out your yeah. nose and it's <laughs> like you just look like shit yeah <laughs> it's yeah. like well makes That's sense yeah, like yeah. this is fucking real yeah and i it is funny like to have those first couple of days and you kind of you you kind of think, oh God, what do we look what like? What do we look like? But then towards the end, you just like, you just, that is so far from <laughs> yeah. your mind. Like, you're so deep into what you're doing and focused on what you need to do. Like, the looks thing is like gone, like yeah. literally gone. And then, you know, obviously watching it back, I'm like, oh God. <laughs> and you can see us change. Like, you can see from day one to like the last yeah. day, like just how haggard we are and like the bags under our eyes and like we all lost weight and yeah it's pretty funny to see it was the camaraderie uh, i'm sure there's people that you're really close with now as a result of going through it yeah and it's um it's so weird and i used to think like you know people who were in reality tv shows and they come out like oh we're best friends and i'm like how you've known each other for two minutes but yeah. like it's so weird it's such a different experience because it's so intense you know you're living with these people 24 hours a day sleeping next to each other and like you form such a tight bond like so quickly it's yeah it's really really strange and we were a really really tight group like we were all very supportive of each other and we've we've got like a group whatsapp that we still like you know keep in touch and and that's been really cool as well like having that having those friendships well i think that's probably something we didn't mention when we were talking about the sporting side of things I know for me, in five years, I got some of the boys that I train with, they're like, they're my boys. Mm. And it's it's a relationship that I've got with them that's the same as people that I've spent, I've been friends with for 10, 15 years. Mm. Because you're doing something together that's so hard. Mm. I know how hard it is for me to show up to jiu-jitsu every night. And then when you've got a guy that's there that's coaching and he's done it for 10 years and he's 20, 28 yeah. with a, a black belt and it's just a fucking animal yeah the respect that you've got for that person and the the fact that you can go to war with each other yeah yeah. you know we're we're sparring a hundred percent you know fucking each other up and then the respect that you can have for each other after there's these weird circumstances when you're doing a sport that's quite challenging that can create these crazy bonds with people Mm. and you'd you'd feel it the same when you were training for the Ironman and I think that's another thing that people probably don't think about when they 
just give up sport at mm. the end of school and then you do your 20s or whatever and you, you that completely goes out the window you might you might go to the gym because you want to look hot for chicks or whatever mm. but in terms of like doing a sport being in a club having people that rely on you relying on other people it can just form these crazy relationships that, yeah. and i think a lot of people are kind of starved of those relationships in their in their adult life yeah and i think it is a weird thing like fi- like making friends when you're older it's such a weird it's so strange but yeah i agree with you you know um from from the the running group that we're in and from the doing the triathlon stuff like we have formed like these really amazing bonds with these people and and you know lifelong friendships and it's such a strange thing as an adult to like have a new person come into your life that you feel like you can really they, trust yeah and like you you've known them. them forever type thing but i suppose that it, yeah like you said it's the beauty of being in an environment like that and you you want to be in that environment like you're choosing as an adult to do this you know maybe as a kid you're like your mom said you got to do swimming yeah. so you're doing swimming or whatever it is but yeah i think and i think that's such a a cool thing and and i'm like you i i hope and wish that other more people had that experience and had something that they felt really passionately about yeah. and, and whether that be jiu-jitsu running cycling you know motocross like whatever that may be like something that you really love that you say i'm going to give myself an hour a week or i'm going to give yeah. myself four hours a week or whatever it is to to have that because that makes me a better person yeah and i think that um learning how to learn is massive as yeah. well i mean i've always i'm a nerd like i'm a very nerdy person so to me i guess that hasn't been a problem in my life but it's one of the things that i see in the people now that start jujitsu that are coming in and i'm like working with them as someone that's been there for a, a lot longer i'm like man you got to you've got to understand you don't know how to learn mm. because you left school fucking 20 years ago yeah. and you're just randomly doing this thing like you you learn in your everyday life but it's in a way slower and less focused way whereas i think when you're doing a triathlon or like jiu-jitsu it's very intense you can Mm. really learn how to do this new skill you're trying to develop this new thing yeah and then there's you don't know what you don't know so how what how do you how do you get this information from a place of not knowing anything about it you've got to learn how to learn about the thing and i think that that fully carries over into your life when you have a challenge of at work or you know whatever it is relationships wise Mm. i find myself always dipping back into the well of things that i've learned in these kind of disciplines yeah i mean it's all just life experience isn't it like giving yourself these different opportunities to to grow from and hopefully it's always for the better sometimes maybe it's not and then you've got to re redirect and do something else yeah but i get people all the time message me being oh man you got such a great group of friends i wish i had what you had with your mates because people i guess see what we're Mm. what we're doing and i'm just like man do shit go Mm. do a sport go join a club yeah be if you be a part of something where if you like motocross go and join the the local club and you know be on the committee there's going to be one or two people there that just fully get you because you they've taken time out of their life to go do the same thing as you there's this common ground that you've got and you know a lot a lot of people do struggle to find friends as Mm. as they get older and you know i even said to my mum mum moved down from brizzy and she's like oh i just don't have the friends i'm like go to join a yoga group you know or do pilates (laughs) every single week you're gonna you're gonna find 
people that have, common have that common interest and mm. it, it creates that relationship so quickly. Yeah, no, I, I agree. When you um, when you watch the show and when it come out, what was the experience like of, I guess, seeing it and then having new people that haven't seen you before? Mm-hmm. Was it a, a crazy experience to be like a reality show person? Yeah, definitely. Um, it was, I suppose, for me, because I was in the, the first few episodes of the show, I was very quiet, so you didn't really see me much. And then all of a sudden, it's kind of like I... I was like oh she's arrived and now she's part of the show but um as it was unfolding yeah it is a weird experience to be like okay that's me on that show and I did that and then have and then watching it real time you know like other like the fans are watching it as I'm watching it type thing and then have people message you and um you know and for the most part it was all really positive stuff it was all really nice um you know like congratulations and like you know you you did so well and all that sort of stuff so I was for me, I was in a, you know, it was in a good spl- good place. Like there was a few other people that didn't get, I suppose, like they didn't come across as yeah. they m- may have liked or maybe should have. So then like you, you have a totally different experience and you don't really know what that's going to be like until Yeah, because that's kind of the, the weird end. thing is yeah. that you go do this thing and you don't know how you're going to be perceived yeah because it's still a tv show i mean as as real as it can be they still have to edit like what where they're filming 24 hours a day they've still got to stick that into like an hour you know so there still has to be some sort of edit process and and for tv to be successful you always need to have kind of yeah like you've kind of got to have a bit of a villain and a bit of a good guy and like you know all that sort of stuff so um and you don't really know how you're gonna be you know portrayed or what you're going to look like you know from an outsider's point of view and you're so in it and you're not thinking about like oh god if I said that you know maybe people you know you're not thinking like that so it still was a bit like okay god what what are we going to see tonight type thing and then the episode would finish I'm like okay that wasn't too bad (laughs) and then like I'd be like oh god I remember this day like I was you know I had the shits on or I was like you know angry with someone and then you sort of watch the episode and you're thinking oh god like what's going to happen now and you know there was that's sort of how it kind of went on for the couple of weeks but yeah I mean I was pretty lucky um I felt like what was shown of me was was true to my character and true to myself and I didn't feel like at any point I was you know portrayed differently than what I would normally be in a in an everyday situation so I came out of the show being very grateful that what people saw was was genuinely what happened and, and was genuinely me yeah yeah because it can definitely go the other yeah, way yeah <laughs> so, yeah so easily yeah exactly and but I think anyone who's going on to a reality tv show these days you it's have be to be pretty silly if and pretty naive to think that you know it could be any different like you have I think in this day and age we all know we, we all have social media like everyone understands that a reality tv show is very much a drama you know it's like heightened drama of of whatever it's happened and and it can be skewed in any way and you have to be prepared for that to be good or or mm. really bad so yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 it's one of the things because i think that to look at a reality tv show from what i know of the reality tv show that exists that probably is the one that you'd want to go on it seems like it's the most kind of real yeah to, well it's not you're, you're not going on love island no like, there's, there's a certain de- like there's a certain yeah. uh, group of shows that you're not going to qualify yeah, 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 for exactly but but yeah no i agree with you i think like of the shows that are on at the moment um this one for, you know i think is the most 
real and it gives people an opportunity to really know you for who you are and you're put in these you know really tough positions where you you know you sort of you're vulnerable and people you know see your true character um you're not going on a show like because you're gonna be forced to date someone or you'll be forced (laughs) to break up with someone or you're like fighting for you know fighting 300 girls for one bloke's you know affection type thing like it's it's kind of like that's a weird show yeah (laughs) but SAS is kind of a show for you like you're not doing it for anyone else but you you know what I mean so I I feel like that's why people probably yeah how did chicks get let's take a sidetrack here (laughs) how did chicks get so into watching a guy cheat on all of these girls essentially like the, the the whole bachelor thing that's about as far away from what's real accepted life, yeah. by women <laughs> in real life that you could ever get. And it's that's the biggest show. It. And you're like, people love it. Wait, this, why does this dude get a free pass yeah. to just cheat on every single chick and it's completely fine and all the girls still want him? I don't I understand how that I one works. I just think TV, like, I think people watch TV because they want to escape r- Reality. Real, you know, yeah. real life. So then they watch these things that are so far from real life and they can't stop watching it like it's like all of those shows you know that it's so far from being real like no one i mean i'd hope no one behaves like that in real life and then you're just kind of watching it because it's like i've had a bad day at work or yeah, i've been stuck behind my laptop out. for 12 hours and i just want to watch something where i literally don't have to use a brain yeah <laughs> yeah but i think that's the that is the cool thing i think about the sas show is that you can actually make a show that has real drama you don't yeah. have to, no yeah it's not manufactured fabricated yeah. yeah. in that sense because yeah. it is so raw yeah. and so real yeah and that and i think that's the success of the show is is exactly what you just said it is you you're not you know you're not creating something out of nothing you're not like um having to script you know yeah. loosely script what people are saying like the, the the drama is what's happening and and it's people's lives and livelihood and and their stories you know everyone's sort of on that show they all kind of have a story that um they've experienced you know like whether that be you know like my story with my dad or whether it be um you know Darius with his family situation or you know like lots of different it's kind of just like okay what you've gone through in your life that's led you to this point and to your success kind of thing and and uh, you know know, unpacking that I suppose is kind of what what this show does and it does give value to people yeah to watch people yeah go through these struggles and I think to to humanize a guy like Darius yeah. Boyd, who is just a superstar. Yeah. You watch his highlight reel of yeah. his career, just like, Jesus Christ, what an animal. Yeah. And then for the everyday person on the couch at seven thirty or whatever, to see that guy yeah. dealing with, with anxiety. With, yeah, or, exactly. You know and what, what, what you know, other people in life have had to deal with like it's growing up in a dysfunctional home or like you know not having a parent in your life or like you said then you're having anxiety and having depression and going like it's like these are all very normal things and very common things that people have gone through but he's also gone through them and then you know gone on to Mm. have this career like it's it's really like I find all that sort of stuff really interesting that people have had these roller coaster lives and then that's led them to to where they are or that's been detrimental to for them to get to you know or, or they've whatever. pushed through it yeah and still i think that was the probably one of the coolest things that come out of the casey podcast is the him talking about the level of anxiety yeah. that he had to be a two-time MotoGP yeah. world champion yeah. and and i think we we probably speak about it a lot more now Nowadays. but um but i think you know for so many years like that wasn't really spoken about at all and like you know i mean just about every athlete i've ever 
spoken to or had some kind of involvement with has dealt with those very things you know and like gone through periods of anxiety or depression or like you know fear and you know all that sort of stuff and but that's it's all you know it's all life things but they just happen to be doing it whilst they're an elite athlete and you're right that narrative now is starting to change because i grew up in the era of you had to be talented Mm. and then if you didn't have the natural talent then you weren't going to succeed i spent my childhood believing that that i could not even like that there was no point even chasing a career in sport or whatever it was and i i've played sport my entire life but told myself oh you're not naturally talented if Mm. you're not good at 11 then you're not going to be the best in the world and then the guys that are the best in the world they don't have any problems they don't have any so easy yeah they're just there because they're the best and they take in their stride and it's it's a that's a an enjoyable life to have because you get there you're so good at it it comes so easy to you you get paid lots of Mm. money and then you retire and you're happy Mm. and that's just not the yeah the truth and i think there's a lot of kids now that are going to grow up knowing that you don't have to be the most talented kid Mm. to win a v8 supercars championship you don't you can have anxiety about performance Mm. and you can be scared of every single turn Mm. that you do and still win moto gp world championships and i think that 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 narrative i guess we can talk about you know like the downsides of social media and stuff but that is a massive plus that's come from i guess Mm. the new way that we can tell these stories Stories, is that the kids aren't going to grow up with that same mentality that i had they're going to grow up knowing that you can still be all these things in spite of all these other things and i think it's crazy to think like in you know not not so much in hindsight but in this era that we're living it's crazy to think that there was a period of time where you couldn't speak about anxiety or depression like it's it's ridiculous like it's just insane to think that we came from a place where that wasn't really spoken about and like you just assumed that these people that had so much success lived a pretty like you know their lives was just like that you know and and you know i think it's good that we're in this place now where it's acceptable and it, it should be encouraged to talk about your challenges and and how you deal with them and how you navigate through you know tricky parts of life and that all like as i said before all those things like they lead to the person you you are and, and what you've done in your life and i'm glad we're now in a place where particularly athletes or particularly people who are public you know yeah. people um that that's sort of not going to be like frowned upon or like yeah. con- considered like a negative part of their life well that's a pretty good spot to leave it that's bang <laughs> bang on three hours and that's it's a prob- lot of talking that's probably a great ending uh quote for this so uh thank you so much for coming on i've thank enjoyed you, it that time went by extremely quickly there was a lot that's, that's good if you're saying god i feel like i've been sitting here for hours <laughs> no nah, well we, we could definitely keep going but i'm, I'm like no nah, we, we'll we'll do our three hours and yep. uh and yeah do another one of these at some point yep I've enjoyed it. This went that yeah, it went by super quick. Yeah, you, cool. You're a very cool person. You do a oh, lot of cool. Thanks, mate. You do a lot of really cool <laughs> stuff, and uh, and you really seem to take it in your stride. And I'm sure, I guess it's not an element we even spoke about, but I'm sure there was a lot of like young girls that watch what you do in V8 supercars. They watch what you do on social media, and then they watch what you did um, on the SAS show. And there's probably a lot of uh, there's probably a lot of really cute little blonde girls out there that uh, have got. <laughs> 
maybe a bit more of an open mind to some mm. of the things that they can aim for in their yeah. life. Yeah, I hope so. I, you know, like I said, I, ne- I don't have intentions. I don't lay out my life going, I'm going to do this because I want a yeah. result. It's like, let's just, let's just keep rolling and see what happens. And, you know, we'll see what it looks like in another five years or another 10 years. Have you got what's on for the rest of this year? Goals wise, we got any crazy stuff coming um, up? No, I, um, I had penciled in to do a marathon, which I've never done a marathon outside of an Ironman (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I'd penciled in to do one this year but it's like yeah it's not going to happen I've just I probably didn't give myself enough credit for the for what I did last Last year year. and all the physical and mental exhaustion that I went through and then the injuries and stuff Um, so I think I'm just going to be kind to myself this year and if something pops up I'll do it but I'm not going to like put pressure on myself to to do something and then we'll go again in 23 (laughs) savage you're an animal you're an animal i love it thanks mate well appreciate you coming on the show no worries thanks for having me no worries